hello there, dead and lovely listeners, and welcome to this week's installment of Dead and Lovely, your absolute favorite horror movie review podcast in all the known multiverse and beyond. Here with the host with the most. Why, it's me, Uncle Ben. Candyman, 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 slow Candyman. Down, down. Oh, damn it, it's too late. It's me, Tony Todd. <laughs> Tony thought Todd, that's not you over I there. I thought if I, I tried it, Tony Todd would come out. It did not. Oh, okay. No, that was, that was just me. Hollywood Steve. Hollywood Steve. And you guys just missed us brainstorming up yet another dead and lovely million dollar idea. Trademark dead and lovely. <laughs> We're going to go into our own distilling business. Finally. And make a low calorie, high protein <laughs> vodka that's going to get you jacked uh-huh. just in time for beach season. We're going to call that shit vodka. Yeah. Get it's your bod. It's got creatine, <laughs> taurine, got taurine, HGH. <laughs> it's just a massive steroid oh, electrolytes. cocktail. Electrolytes. We got to put electrolytes. Oh, in there. and electrolytes. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Uh huh. And vodka. <laughs> yeah. Of just, course. <laughs> it will get you trashed, <laughs> but also get you jacked. Yep. Vodka coming <laughs> soon from Dead and Lovely. <laughs> How you been this week, Steve? Yeah, I've been great, man. Yeah. We had a Dead and Lovely meetup the other day. The first, and certainly not the last. Oh yeah, this certainly was not. A lot of fun, man. Uh, this is all kind of conspired through the Facebook fan group. Yeah. You guys should all join, of course. Mm-hmm. And it kind of conspired with a Skank Banger show, which is my mm-hmm. uh, 80s hair metal cover band. Yeah, everything kind of came together, and we decided to do a little meetup for that night so mm-hmm. everybody could come hang out and then go see some Skank Banger. Uh, and taste all these lovely beverages yeah. from local Knoxville places we're always talking about, yeah. like uh, Postmodern Spirits, mm-hmm. which is... The fucking best. Oh, yeah. You want a cocktail in Knoxville, yeah. you go to Postmodern. And you guys also hit Merchants of Beer, which yep. has the biggest tap selection in Knoxville, yep. actually. It's mm-hmm. like a little hidden jewel. Yeah, right really. after Pretentious, we went in there. There were, you know, I figured because we couldn't go to all the local breweries, yeah. Merchants of Beer has several of them on That's tap. That's true. Yeah, they always yeah. have stuff from local places yeah. on there. Though I did end up getting Bearded Iris, so. Well, you know, Didn't really Nashville, go local. It's Tennessee. It's kind of yeah. local. It is. You know, kind of. Close enough. Yeah. You guys but, also hit Sutri's, which is like, yeah, yeah. this is the first the high, like, grav. high gravity place mm-hmm. I'd ever been to. Yeah, it's actually. still cool. They have arcade stuff. Yeah, yeah. they added arcades. Pinball and machines and stuff. Yeah. They have ramen as well. Yeah, I've, I've never, never had, had it. it. Yeah, but I've heard it's good. Yeah. I love ramen. I mean, honestly, even little $10 or 10 cent packages of ramen. Oh, I'm on board. Yeah. The if I'm hungry, I'm going to eat it. If you're too good for that... Yeah, you're too good for this world. Yeah, exactly right. Yeah. Kill yourself. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> but it was so good getting to see uh, a lot of our, our fans from in town and oh, out man, of town. So we had a bunch of people come in, drive several hours. Yeah. Which is pretty awesome. That's some commitment, y'all. Yeah. It Woo! was really great. We got to see, I mean, let me see if I can list everybody. Okay. We have Brandon there. Brandon yeah, Wood. Oh, Brandon Wood. Terry Wise in the bushes. There. Yeah, Terry. Always good um, to see old scary Terry. Then uh, my wife, your wife, and you. Uh huh. Yes. So those were all the locals, I think. I think so. Well, and Andy Wood, of course. Yeah, yeah. All in. A Wood was there. Yeah. yeah. But we also had the notorious RDM driving. The notorious in. RDM, all the way from Nash Vegas, representing. Yeah. Ohio. What an A plus, wonderful dude. Yeah. Ryan drove up from Georgia around the Atlanta area. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. So he brought us some beers. He one did of them indeed. Which, one of which we're going to try tonight. Uh-huh. And the yeah. other beer we're trying tonight is from the Notorious RDM. Yeah. Fun guys. And Great guys. Kalani was there. My man Kalani. Yeah. Shredder cool extraordinaire. Yeah. So good to see 
you again, Kalani, and again, uh, we will hook up and shred and on he, the Skype soon. He had brought his sister and a girl, a, a woman, I believe her name was Logan. Was I that think it? that's correct. Yeah, and she she's she Weapon is, X, right? She is Weapon X. She's the one with the yeah, adamantium like skeleton. Yeah, sideburned. She, she works for a brewery tour here in Knoxville. Oh no, shit. Yeah. So Ooh. that's really cool. We might have to do that sometime. Go I take that brewery that we tour. We probably should do that. I think we probably should. Yeah. There was all kinds of great shenanigans. I think oh man! The height yeah. of which definitely arrived whenever RDM hit the bar. I <laughs> <laughs> went to uh, Scruffy City Hall where the concert was going on. I was already on stage. We were yeah. just kicking our first song off. Yep. But we had been in uh, Notorious RDM and I both. We're on the list. That was yeah. nice of you. Yeah, you know, VIP. Yeah. You know. And uh, we walked in, and uh, 10 minutes later, we were being kicked out. Because. <laughs> pretty fucking punk rock, dude. I, I don't want to go into the full story, but yeah, it was punk rock, and it was awesome. Basically, uh, a real douchebag yeah. was starting shit with RDM, and RDM knocked his Paps Blue Ribbon out of his Sky hand. Sky high. Apparently. Sky high. And then it dumped on me, Brandon, Terry, and your wife, Kate. <laughs> and we thought, because we didn't know anything about the yeah. ruckus that was going on, we thought someone had just poured a beer down, like, from the sky from on us. Um, it was, we were all just like, what is going on? And then our Roger comes walking over and he's like, all right, I'm being kicked out because this <laughs> asshole over here was talking shit. Uh, and so I left with... Roger and we went to the casual pint and had some beers and boy it was yeah it was we didn't we heard just the beginning My of God. the first song the show was insane <laughs> and I mean having Roger kick it off that way that was so awesome yeah uh, that made it Roger so much was more totally fucking rock in the roll. right by the way one hundred percent and oh, yeah. I was not disappointed because because well, here's the thing is like assholes like that guy yeah fuck him he well, needs to be reminded yeah. that you can't just talk to I, I mean I didn't go into what all he said to Roger but he was talking down to Roger being very disrespectful and talking specifically about how much money he made yeah really the sign of like, a cool person come on dude but people like that are the kind of people that have probably Probably ha- never had a beer yeah. whacked out of their hand at yeah. a bar. You know yeah. what I mean? It's like people yeah. like that keep acting like that because nobody corrects yeah. them. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. I honestly, uh, for me, it was like a pressure release valve because when we walked in, I was like, there are so many people in this tiny space. It was unbelievable. And I do not love that. Dude, it's the kind of thing where it was so, so packed in that venue. That was yeah. maybe the wildest skate banger show oh, was, we've ever had. Yeah. I was just looking out of that crowd and I was like, my God, how is anybody so getting through? And there and was then, a huge line still when nuts, we went in. Dude. Yeah. And extra cool up at the very front row, the entire show. Mandolina Broly. Broly and her homeboy, uh, Andy. Yeah. Representing, singing all the songs. Yeah. And just having a damn great time. Yeah. Everybody else enjoyed the concert as far as I understand. Yeah. Uh, except for Ryan. Which is another funny story. Oh, yeah. I didn't catch yeah. that one. <laughs> they didn't let him in because oh. they thought he was too drunk. No way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which, okay. I mean, I'll be honest. We were all very much drunk That's by the, the time the we got yeah. to the Skankbanger show. Yeah, sure. I mean, we went to three different... Well, eventually we all went to five bars. What do you think you're doing? Are you showing up to a Skankbanger show sober? sober as a judge? Come on, man. I think you're missing the fucking point yeah. if that's what you're doing. Yeah, so we were all tipsy for sure <laughs> i kept my wits about me a bit because i thought i got to keep this train moving the right direction not everybody right. knows where they're going yeah 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 but um 
after I mean after Roger got kicked and we we left, I was like, fuck it. <laughs> like I'll just drink a bunch of beer. Yeah. We'll get a casual pint, we'll go to Sutri's, we'll drink beer. It was awesome. Fun time. It was a great night, man. I wish I could have been there uh, all night to hang out with everybody. I had sound yeah. check before, and then I had to get all you know, all dolled up and stuff. Yeah, you did. I had to make my character change. Was that a new stranger. makeup artist, or is that the first time you guys have used a makeup? Yeah, artist? that's the first time that we've ever worked with yeah. her before, man. And she, she was cool. amazing. Yeah, you guys look great. Did utterly fantastic work. Huh? Actually, let me. I'll find her Instagram so I can give her a plug here real quick too, because she did amazing stuff. She was just a fan of the band. I was like, I yeah. want to do your all's makeup. Makeup with Maria. That's M A R Y A. Okay. Maria is her name. Yeah. On Instagram. That's yeah, really check cool. Check her out. She does amazing work. Does cool like cosplay kind of stuff oh, yeah. too. Awesome. So maybe if you're in the Knoxville area and want some great makeup for that kind of thing, mm-hmm. Maria is your home girl. Great. Yeah. Check her out. So thanks everybody for coming and hanging out. Hopefully next time I'll be able to spend more time with everybody. Yeah. It was great to see next everyone. Next time, well, I mean, you know, because this was kind of a test to just see if. I mean, yeah. the fact that we had, uh, at one point, over 10 people at a podcast meetup I think in that's pretty the cool. middle of February Especially is really a, cool. A niche thing like yeah. horror movies. Yeah. So next time, we, we'll just do a meetup. That way, you know, you can be there the whole time. You don't have to uh, pop off for sound check and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, I definitely look forward to it. So thanks, everybody, for being Yeah, it was so there. awesome. It was like walking on a cloud. I want to raise a toast to that great night, Steve. And let's do that with one of these beers from the notorious drink-smacking RDM himself. (laughs) Mean Dean. (laughs) Yeah, I'm excited about this one. This is from Saucy Brew Works. Uh Uh-huh. This is called Phobia, F-A-U-X-B-I-A. And Roger had wanted us to try all the three different stouts that he gave us last week for The Shining, but we wanted to keep our wits about us. Yeah. (laughs) So, I mean, that was a three and a half hour episode. I was going to say, less wise, that would have been a five-hour episode, I think. uh And it wouldn't have been more talk. It just would have been Yeah, we would have gotten slower and repeated ourselves a lot. As the guy that edits the show, I can tell you without (laughs) a doubt that I can judge my own intoxication level by how slowly I'm talking and how much I'm repeating myself. So this is a white stout. Yeah. Now, looking at this, this just looks like a a cloudy Kind of like an IPA is what it looks like. But the smell is nothing like an IPA. Yeah, it smells like a stout. This is really interesting. It smells very malty. It smells very heasty. Yeah, it's got quite a head. Yeah, definitely so. A white stout. Now, that's more than just what they called your mama in high school. (laughs) (laughs) What's that about? Okay. The eyes definitely deceive re- you. Yeah, they do. Like, because my brain is like, wait, what is going on? Because this shouldn't taste like that. Yeah. It tastes, I mean, it's a, it's a bit uh, maybe like crisper, a little cleaner than yeah. a stout normally is. Okay. But it's a stout. That's so weird. Because like, usually I just think of stouts. I think of the stuff that looks like 10W30, you know? Yeah. And this is nothing like that. Not that at all. Wow. That is great. Ooh, Whoa. Buddy. That is really interesting. Uh-huh. <laughs> that's it. It's got like a that's coffee. different than a stout, though. Yeah, it's yeah. definitely got the coffee kind of thing mm-hmm. going on. But there's something else working there too. It's got it, kind of a pale ale flavor to it as well. Well, it says that it's mashed at high temperatures with oats and wheat. You can definitely taste the oats in there. Yeah. Wow, I've never had anything like that. That's a 5.9 percenter, brewed in Cleveland, Ohio. Oh yeah. 
and the can design is sick too. It's got all these like mysterious looking, yeah, creepy eyes all over it. Uh, shout out to Hermaeus Mora. If you know what Hermaeus Mora looks like in Skyrim, I mean, it kind of looks like that. I don't know what that looks like. Uh, a bunch of eyes and tentacles. Oh, like this. Yeah, kind of like that. Got Except it. for the tentacles. Oh, right. Well, Steve, while we've not been hanging out with our lovely fans, what have you been doing this week? You been watching anything good? Yeah, I watched a whole bunch of stuff. Like, yeah, actually, I had some time to watch the stuff too. It's like yeah. my, my post, my post Nam existence. Yeah, has been so much more laid back and and fulfilling and, yeah. and nice. Well, and I the thing is, I put like so much research and, and time into The Shining. Yeah, yeah. I'm trying to like just focus on that. That once we were done with it, and <laughs> I know what you mean. Dude. I was just like, man. I know. Just relax, I like, guess. I had like, so much pressure on myself for yeah. that episode. I was like, how can we say everything that we want to say right? and not fuck it up, you know? Because there's yeah. been a lot of movies that we've done stuff, and I'll go back, I'm editing the episode, and I'll be like, oh, damn it, I forgot to talk about yeah. this and this Oh, and this. that happens to me all the time. Yeah, and The Shining, it's like, I seriously think we could do another Shining episode oh, in like a year, revisit it again, you know? I wouldn't have a problem with that. <laughs> yeah, because there's stuff that I forgot about. Oh, yeah, you definitely. Know? There's stuff we didn't talk about, and then yeah. stuff that people have pointed out since then yeah. on the facebook and stuff absolutely yeah. so man so yeah it's I, I know what you mean it's like last week's show it was so fun and i was very happy with the way that it turned out and yeah. stuff but at the same time i was like we gotta get this one right man uh-huh. yeah, yeah i had a lot of pressure on myself specifically just because i love the movie so much and so much has been said about it yeah exactly it's like i didn't want to just waste everyone's time yep exactly right man exactly so since then you've just been having some some chill watching yeah like man I, have, I um i finally sat down and watched the good place season two as Good Place Season 3 is almost over. Uh, I don't know why I've dragged my feet on it. I really liked Season 1. I yeah. guess I was a little worried, like, oh, they can't. Because Season 1, the ending, it's like, I, you know, they could easily screw up this next season. Okay. Was kind of what was going on in my head. Even though my wife had watched it and said that it was great. I haven't watched any of it. I just heard that. It's oh, really man, good. it's great. Bunch of created people by the guy who created Parks and Rec and Brooklyn nine Yeah, Parks and Rec I fucking love. Yeah. Uh absolutely worth a watch darcy carden is amazing in it ted danson uh kristen bell who is the star i guess Mm -hmm. um but yeah it's it's so great and that season two was they did what i was worried they uh wouldn't be able to do is to make a fresh take on i i don't i don't want to say too much i don't want to okay sure sure there is like a sort of reveal at the end of season one yeah i definitely need to watch uh the good place though that's been on my two watch list for a long time where's it streaming um uh, well the first two seasons are on netflix okay. and then season three is on hulu excellent I, I also watched another show that uh man i'm real sad oh it's it's finished final season unbreakable kimmy schmidt we just finished it the other night too yeah. man like we got Maybe halfway through the season, and we're just fucking loving it. And then the yeah. next time we sign on to Netflix, it's like, watch the final few episodes now. And we're like, wait, final for the yeah. season? Yeah. It's like, no, series. The end. I had no idea that this I was the last either. season, man. Such a great show. It was fantastic. Uh-huh. This I love that last season, man. It was ridiculous. The Sliding awesome. Doors episode. Oh, my God. Which is like a, an hour. Yeah. Yeah, it yeah. was. 
was, was great. amazing. Really there was great. so much shit in this season where it's just like the jokes were just flying by uh-huh. so fast. Like we watched the whole thing last week and I'm like, I could probably rewatch the whole thing again. Remember the the Bed Bath and Beyond episode? <laughs> oh God. Or was it, it was just like some sort of yeah. pure one imports or something like that. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. That's where all the cougars went to get hit on. That's where the cougars on. go to get hit on by young men who are afraid of not being able to hit on women anymore because yeah. you can't you don't know if you can say things yeah but you can say them to cougars but you can say it to cougars yeah oh my god dude. yeah it was really funny episode. and that show too you know it's like it's easy to say that i love it because the humor and stuff was just so random and strange and bizarre yeah. but it's yeah. like it also dealt with a lot of stuff like it oh, really yeah. dealt with recovery from traumatic events oh and yeah stuff like they that. dealt with several real issues and yeah. stuff but yeah, it's that Tina Fey comedy where it's also absurd. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely fantastic. I'm I'm honestly surprised that it lasted as long as it did and that as many people liked it as they did because yeah. it is so fucking out there. It is. It is. I really love it though. And like I loved it. Um, I'll totally watch the whole thing many it more is, times. It is one of the few um shows that you can point to and say that it has an over the top gay man. Yeah. Who is still not a stereotype. Yeah. Like, yeah. Titus is no sort of stereotype. No, huh? And then they also have other gay characters that are... Just normal people. Nor- yeah, like yeah. like Mikey. Yeah, He's yeah. just a construction worker who's gay. Yeah. He does, yeah. Like, they, they do a real good um, job of portraying gay characters as dimensionalized. Right, yeah. Pretty cool. And I think it might be John Hamm's best comedic role. <laughs> oh, yeah. Karate, 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 karate. <laughs> fire demon. Oh, dude, the fire demon <laughs> in the season. Holy shit, dude. Yeah, it was it was amazing. I'm sad to see it go, but I'm also excited to see maybe what's coming next from Tina Fey and her whole crew because I have loved everything that she yeah, does. Yeah, she's Tina doing Fey's She's got the awesome. other show. I haven't watched yet. It's like great news or something like I that. I haven't heard of that. I haven't watched it. But be sure to watch all that shit on Netflix because it was so fun. Oh yeah. So, so, so good, man. Yeah, I was sad to see it go. I also watched Christine. Oh, John was, Carpenter. Yeah. I only have one more thing left on my John Carpenter checklist. Yeah, to, you've been watching all yeah. the Carpenter horror flicks. But I, I have to find Masters of Horror. I might, might have to buy it on DVD because yeah. I just can't find it anywhere. I've heard his segment on there. It's really, really good. How did you like Christine? Um... It's really good. The yeah. segments, like I, um, I'd like to see how they did the segments where Christine is rebuilding yeah, itself. Yeah. Uh huh. Those are cool. Um, it's it had some Stephen King dialogue issues. Yeah, like, yeah. The main guy calls people that he doesn't like shitters. <laughs> They're just the shitters, man. Is that like a Midwest insult or something? Yeah, I don't know. You know? Like, who would ever say that? Shitter. No one's ever called people shitters unless they were a five-year-old child. That's how he could master child dialogue. Oh. Say the weird shit that you think adults would say and then make a child say it. Right. <laughs> Got it. Perfect. You guys are shitters. That makes sense. You're five. <laughs> but no, it's still good, though. It's still... I've never I mean, seen it. Never seen oh, it. really? Yeah, I never watched it. Oh man, you should check it out. Like, um, the Wraith is definitely just a ripoff of Christine. Oh, and I love the Wraith, and you love the Wraith. So, <laughs> who does Clint Howard play in Christine, though? He doesn't play anyone, oh. unfortunately. I don't it know would if be I like this, amazing then. if he showed up. I'd be very okay with that. Yeah, he should be in every movie. <laughs> he almost is. He almost is. Yeah, yeah in the nineties, really, that guy was in so much stuff. That's because he was in like every Ron Howard movie, which, which was every nineties movie, all yeah. the movies. Yeah, 
all the movies that weren't Spike Lee movies. <laughs> it was Spike Ron Lee and Ron Howard. Yeah, two extremes, dude. <laughs> Polar opposites. I'd like to see those guys get together for a project. <laughs> Ebony and Ivory. <laughs> Ebony and Opie. <laughs> yeah. Wait, oh, wait, didn't you watch Black Klansman? I watched Black Klansman last week, dude. Yeah. It is fucking awesome. That's I a great transition. You Spike hey. Lee went right there. I man. think a thing sometimes. It was awesome. It was really good. I, I had high hopes for it. And it was even better than I was anticipating. Yeah. It's got a lot of that signature kind of dry, spikely humor. I think that, you know, when you're talking about Spike Lee stuff, it's easy just to talk about the activism and stuff, of course. Yeah. But he has a great way of putting humor into his flicks, too. Yeah, he does. You know? For sure. And it's always dry. It's never super over the top or we'll anything. We'll have to do well his uh, only horror movie, The Sweet Blood of Jesus. I've never seen that. Yeah. Is it good? I haven't seen it either. Ah, maybe we yeah. do. Maybe yeah. we do that. But, you know, at the same time, it told this story that's just unbelievable. I don't know how, how close to the true story it stays. I've not done that much uh -huh. research or anything. But it's based on this story that's just unbelievable. And then it also kind of like wraps it into, you know, if you think that racial tensions are, are gone, you're an idiot. Like, yeah. At the end of the movie, no, it's not really spoilers or anything like that, but <laughs> the, movie, the movie for the main characters and stuff ends well. But then it's like, it just kind of reminds you, it shows like the Charlottesville riots and yeah. stuff to be like, look, this shit's still going on. Yeah. Like this movie took place in the, I don't know, late 60s, early 70s. Uh -huh. You might think that was a long time ago for there to be racial problems and stuff. Right. But look, this happened last year. It's pretty, I mean, the end is like pretty like, oh man, like punch you in the stomach, you know? Speaking of movies about black filmmakers yeah. that incorporate Charlottesville riot, oh. a video horror noir i just watched that's that thing you were telling me Shutter. about i need yeah. to watch this it's a history of black horror yeah and it's great like so it's, it's a, a it's really a, good documentary okay so this is a documentary uh-huh now does it kind of start with like uh living dead or what uh they actually start with birth of a nation oh shit the original fucking horror yeah. movie to black people yeah yeah because wow. they, they talk about that at the beginning about how like you know Damn. they talk about the black characters in horror movies like white zombie and stuff okay, like yeah. where they're basically just pay, played either servants or mm. you know mysterious figures who didn't really speak mm -hmm. um but yeah they do get to you know Dwayne Jones and his badass portrayal in Night of the Living Dead and then get into a lot more like the black exploitation stuff and stuff that I've never watched like they talk about blackula and like yeah, which I've heard I'd of. always I'd always heard of blackula as like you know, a joke movie. Yeah, yeah. I but thought like, it was like a black exploitation movie or something. Right. But like the way they were showing it and the way everyone was talking about it, like the clips I was seeing, is like, oh, this is a serious movie. Huh. So I would like to do that for no vampire maybe. Uh, we'll put it up on the vote this year maybe. How about that? Yeah. Uh, they also talk about Ganja and Hess, which also had Dwayne Jones from Night of the Living Dead and, you know, a lot of other uh, 70s movies. But they, they really skip toward the 90s where we get stuff like. Candyman, Candyman yeah. Tales from the Hood. Okay. Yeah. And a lot of those movies. It has so many great people. And it has Ken Furry from uh, Dawn of the Dead. Yeah, dude. He's awesome. Uh, it has uh, Tony Todd. Yeah. Candyman. Uh, Jordan Peele. Awesome. Um, Does it talk about Get Out in there? Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. They talk about Get Out in depth. Like, Fuck yeah. Yeah. They talk about a few. They go really in depth. I think Tales from the Hood is one because the director of that, I can't remember his name. 
uh, is in there. And then also Ernest Dickerson, director of uh, Demon Knight, which we did last year. Yeah. Uh-huh. They talk about Demon Knight. Okay. You know, because that was the first real uh, black female hero, final girl right, in yeah. a horror movie. Right. That's cool. It sounds like I need to watch this, man. Yeah, it's a great, and it's only like an hour and a half. Oh, okay. Yeah, and the, the interviews are great. Oh, uh, also Keith David. They have Keith, oh, David, Keith David and Ken Faree sitting together. Fuck yeah, it can't get more badass than that. If Tony Todd were there, the walls would have uh, uh, like turned into a puddle of pussy juices. Like <laughs> Those dudes have just the sweetest voices. Yeah, oh dude, I know. God. The best, man. But yeah, Ken Faree and, and uh, Keith David. Keith David, there we yeah, go. Yeah, the, the two of them together is really funny. And they have some outtakes at the end that are funny. Too. Did they talk about they live a little bit with Keith David? Uh, no, they do talk oh. about the thing. Okay, they don't yeah. get into they live they don't get into a lot like they they sort of skip around okay uh and they also have some uh uh some young black filmmakers oh they also have rachel true from the craft they talk about the craft shit yeah they talk about the craft yeah Uh uh-huh awesome it's cool dude yeah the movie that birthed a million 90s wickens (laughs) (laughs) yeah i really i highly recommend it if you have shutter it's streaming so i definitely gotta watch that man you know, I think the other noteworthy stuff I've been watching this week is, uh, you know, it, well, we're, we're releasing this the day before Valentine's Day, and we just finished season two of Big Mouth last week, but then Big Mouth put out a Valentine's special. Yeah, they did, and I watched it last night. And it was fucking great. Yeah, it was. Terry Wise was telling me about it at the meetup, and I was like, hell yeah. And it was. It was fucking awesome. Yeah, of course it was. Yeah, every that episode show of that show's great. Yeah. It was like, I think, 45 or 15 yeah. minutes long, so it was a bit longer and yeah. stuff. Dude, that show is the shit. It's so good. Like, the first, maybe the first three or four episodes of that first season that we watched, I was kind of like, this is fine, but it's mm-hmm. like, I, I just couldn't relate to it, like right. I was talking about, because I was There's like... a lot of school stuff. Yeah, exactly, yeah. you know? And it's like, I didn't go through that as a homeschoolsman. Uh-huh. So it was like, ah, whatever, this is fine, but it's like, once you kind of get in the swing of things and start to understand and sympathize with the characters and stuff, God, it's so funny and just so real, and it's so gross, and it's so dumb. But uh-huh. it's so relatable because everybody's been through puberty, uh-huh. you know? So, yeah, definitely worth watching. That's on and the Nick, Netflix Everybody right involved in it is hilarious. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Nick Kroll, John Mulaney. Great. I mean, if you haven't seen any of their Oh Hello stuff, or you haven't seen Kroll Show, you should really I check out Kroll that. Show. Is it good? Oh, it's great. I mean, Is it know. like a sketch comedy show or something? Yeah, it's a sketch comedy show. Uh, but it it's, it's different than most sketch comedy shows. It's basically like different television shows that he's made up being interspliced into each other as like sketches so there's like wheels ontario which is like a canadian high school uh melodrama type of thing okay there's publicity where it's like a reality show about a publicity firm with jenny slate and nick kroll playing uh, basically, the the bully girl character in uh, Big Mouth, right? Like yeah, same yeah, yeah. exact voice and everything. Awesome. <laughs> uh, there's Gigolo House, Gigolo House, Gigolo House. Yeah, it's so like yeah, it's just like a bunch of different made up shows, and they'll have segments cool. from it for each episode. So they'll be like, they, they'll usually do like two or three mm-hmm. throughout the the show, and then I think there are like three seasons of it. It's great. Wow, great show. John Mulaney's in that a bunch too. Steve, we got to give these busters. What they want. What they come to this show what they, for, what dude. They, what they want. They want to know about sports ball. 
they want to hear about because you know damn it okay as as you know i am a well-informed sportsman that's true people need to know about how you felt about that bowl that supreme bowl that's true we 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 recorded the shining episode on on friday before super bowl sunday so i could watch super bowl on sunday yeah yeah um and man i'll tell you what i think as someone who loves football yeah and loves defense that it was one of the most tense Super Bowls in, uh, you know, I- I- excluding last year's Philadelphia win. Uh-huh. Uh, one of the most tense Super Bowl victories in the past 10 years. Now, I didn't watch the bowl, but I was on Facebook and saw a lot of people saying that the game was fucking terrible. Yes, because those people were watching the commercials and the halftime show. The commercials and the halftime. You and were that, watching the football. I was watching the football game, mm-hmm. and those people also don't watch football, and they wanted a whole bunch of touchdowns, because that's a good game. Right. Because that's entertaining. If you don't understand football, you still get the excitement of knowing, oh, they scored, yay! These are probably people that thought the witch was boring. That's possible. (laughs) That's very possible. I don't know. Actually, I would say like they're probably like they're probably film nerds and don't watch football at all. So yeah, like that's the thing about football. You have to understand. It's the same with like um, like understanding uh, movies or novels. Like you have to know the genre. The genre of football. Uh, there are several subgenres. They're going to be your offensive slobber knockers. Yeah. Where, you know, if you're going to watch Oklahoma State play Texas Tech, you might see a 65 to 52 game. Or if you're playing the 49ers in the Tecmo Super Bowl. Right. Jay Rice is just going to run all over. Right. That Unless they got Bo Jackson. Uh, then, fucking, yeah, yeah. Yeah. You can even that one out. Actually, yeah. If you have Bo Jackson, you could easily. Because you can run out the entire clock. You can. Yeah. Bo <laughs> is Bo's unstoppable. Play. He is. But like, but then you also have your defensive struggles that are more like a war, mm-hmm. where um, just tiniest the tiniest adjust, adjustments and the tiniest different uh, blown coverages and thing can can really decide the game. It's just small. Usually, when it's a good defensive battle, it's a mistake that right. is what makes the other team a chink able in the to armor win. that's been exploited. Yep. Yeah, and but- that if you know what you're watching. That is just so fun to watch. And so that it was a fun game, watching two coaches figuring each other out. So it was very evenly matched, so it was just kind yeah. of a stalemate, seeing who would yeah. crack first. low-scoring game. And then, of course, the Patriots won. I think a lot of people said that the Super Bowl sucked because the Patriots won, mm-hmm. which is something that... They you win know, a lot, don't they? They do, yeah. Okay. So, yeah, it's just people are bored with it. They're bored with the Patriots winning all the time. But they earned that victory. Was, I thought it was a good game. All right, dude. Yeah. I don't think that I'll watch it, but I'll take your word yeah, for it. Yeah, don't worry about it. Why would you? That's <laughs> <laughs> because I want to see Maroon Check out 5 that Maroon 5 halftime show. Adam Levine take his shirt say, off, I guess. I, I said this earlier. I'm going to say this again. If you went to a Maroon 5 concert and halfway through they stopped for a 30-minute football game, everybody would fucking lose their minds. Right. The fact that you have a Maroon 5 concert in the middle of the fucking <laughs> Super Bowl... <laughs> And then they stopped for like five minutes of stupid fucking commercials. And it was like, I don't want to see the commercials this year. What? How how dumb. Think about that. (laughs) I want to be pitched to. I want someone to pitch a product to me. Very American. (sighs) Very, very American. Anyway. (laughs) This beer is fucking awesome. Every time I have a sip, I'm just like, oh my God. I took a sip of it without like thinking of it. And as it was coming up, I was expecting it to be an IPA yeah, and yeah. then it was like oh right I've never this had anything like that stout. it's yeah. really 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 good it has more of like a bite to it than a lot of stouts it does. do yeah. but it's still really smooth 
fucking awesome, man. This beer is going to be my Valentine. <laughs> and you know what, Steve? I think, speaking of Valentine... Speaking of... As we step into the Preview Palace... Welcome to the Preview Palace. I'd just like to take a little second here. Steve, I want to lower the lights. Oh, damn. I want to yeah. dim them down. All right. I want to put on that red dress that you like so much. Oh, yeah. I'm going to get out the, the scented oils. Oh, you know how I love my scented oils. The earls. Uh-huh. Essential get, oils. I'm going to get out the unessential oils. Yeah, I get out the unessential oils. Yeah. Butt this, lube. This here is battery oil. <laughs> magnet oil. This magnet oil. Gra- uh, gravel oil. <laughs> Do you need <laughs> this? No, it's completely unessential. Completely. Absolutely so. <laughs> and Steve, I want to consult with the wizards at BuzzFeed. Uh-huh. And maybe find out if we answer eight of these questions. Yeah. If we can find out who our true Valentine is. You know who I'd go to? Who would you go to? I'd go to Hattie Soykin. We've gone to her before. That's true. She seems to know what's up. Yeah, she's one of those BuzzFeed wizards that knows exactly the right questions to ask to find out the depths of our souls. So no. let's see, based on our Valentine's opinions. Yeah. Who will we spend Valentine's with? I want to find out, ma'am. All right, Steve, choose the most important Valentine's gift. Okay. Is it a card? Right. Maybe a shock a lot with Johnny Depp. <laughs> Alcohol. Yeah. Jewelry. Mm-hmm. Flyers. Or candles. Ooh, well, it's obviously alcohol. Yeah. That's the correct answer. Yeah, it's the best one, obviously. Yeah. I don't even know what to say about that. I mean, I like the chocolates, but I prefer chocolates that I know what's in them. Yeah, the surprise aspect can yeah. be a little unsettling. Get that out of here. Yeah, that's true. I'm going to go with the chocolate because you chose booze, which is the best choice, obviously. 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 Have yourself a, a nice champagne or something. a boozy little valentine. Yeah, that that song never caught on. No, not quite. (laughs) What does Valentine's Day mean to you, Ben? Mm. Gosh, I bet you have deep feelings about it. Yeah, you know I do. Uh, February 14th. Mm, Right. A day for love. Tuesday. It's Thursday this year. So if it means that to you, you're wrong. Right. A day (laughs) invented by Hallmark. Mm. The day after Galentine's. Galentine's. A day for drinking. Well, you know, Steve, to me, Valentine's is just another day. Yeah. And what do you do every day? The day for drinking. You fucking drink. <laughs> That's what I do every day. Valentine's sucks. Yeah, I've I just never been cover into that. it. Like, Valentine's, if you need to be reminded to have a regimented day to tell your partner that you love them, yeah, you fucking weird. suck. It is strange. Yeah, that whole obligatory yeah. be nice to that person that you're with yeah. day, that's just dumb. I dude. think it works best for people who are, say, married with children and they don't have as many opportunities to hang out. They can say, okay, so. we, well, uh, specifically on Valentine's Day, we will do something. Yeah. We'll go to an overcrowded restaurant and then to an overcrowded movie. <laughs> that sounds fucking terrible, yeah. dude. <clears throat> the only thing that I like about Valentine's Day is that Sitar does their super special mega buffet of oh, Indian really? foods, yeah, on Valentine's, and there's I'm gonna never have to go to that. Oh yeah, we're going. Come yeah. with us. There's never anybody there uh-huh. because, as we know, Indian food is the the food of passion. <laughs> it's like you know, it's like it is who's, a weird thing for Valentine. Yeah. I'm gonna go get stuffed full of curry. And yeah, then we'll fuck. Let's all get real stinky <laughs> and full of garlic, and then make sweet love. That sounds great to me. <laughs> That's the thing. Is like. If everybody has garlic breath, nobody has garlic breath. Yeah. It's fine. Yeah. Yeah. 
All right, Steve. So for me, um, I would say uh, a day invented by Hallmark. It is. It absolutely fucking mm-hmm. is. I mean, I get it. They wanted to sell stuff. Yeah. Whatever. It's working. All right, Steve. Choose a rom-com. Oh, okay. I'm not going to lie. I, I, I know I'm which one you're going to choose. I'm a sucker for rom-com. Let's oh, see really? our options here. Yeah, I mean, I, I enjoy a handful of them, man. When Harry met Sally. Okay. I'll have what she's having. Mm. She's having an orgasm. <laughs> Someone should have said. Yeah. I'd like to jazz myself. <laughs> 13 going on 30. That's Ooh. a pass. Yeah. Love Actually. Yeah. Which you know I do love. Mm-hmm. Bridget Jones's Diary, which also I'm okay with. Oh, yeah? You love that one? It's, I haven't ever seen it. Dude, it's surprisingly fun. I don't hate rom-com. 10 Things I Hate About You. Mm-hmm. And uh, You've Got Mail. Which mm. one are you thinking you're going to go with your homie? Um, I'm going to go with 10 Things I Hate About You because I've seen it a million times because they played it on a college like movie channel. Oh, yeah. Oh, uh, one of those yeah. ones that play in like, the dorms and yeah. stuff. Yeah. And I've seen it a million times. And uh, Larissa Atlantic is super cute in it. Yeah. As is Julia Stiles. Yeah. And then you also get Heath Ledger. As is Heath Ledger. JGL. That's Joseph right, Gordon man. Lennon. That's right. Mm-hmm. Everybody cute in that movie. For real. You know what? Did you watch it because it was on or did you watch it because it's a fucking awesome movie because that's the one i was oh, yeah gonna, i kept I watching it because i liked it yeah it's like, great i've seen it a million times 10 things too. i hate about you and empire records are two that i yeah. will never feel shame for loving no. even though the last time i watched empire records i was like oh this is really melodramatic but it's still uh, great yeah, it it's still is. great <laughs> rex manning day uh-huh. come on also again a movie covered in cute attractive 90s people oh yeah Liv tyler's in that one right oh man yeah she was so pretty she's oh, yeah, so pretty totally. still uh, but where, who else was that? Was that Renee Zellweger? In there? I think Renee Zellweger's uh-huh. in there. A whole bunch of that people. That was one of her earliest. I mean, her first was, wasn't it uh, that Texas Chainsaw Mask? I think you're Matthew right. Yeah. yeah. Had the cool, like, rock star guy. Yeah. Not not Rex Manning, but the guy uh-huh. that, like, was the young guy that had the guitar and stuff. Uh huh. Just, it's a fun flip, yeah. man. I enjoy yeah, it. It's a fun one. Uh, I also watched 10 Things I Hate About You a million times in college dorms, in Carson Even Dorms, uh-huh. where Kate was going to school there. Uh-huh. I've watched that so many times. That's one I was going to choose, but I guess given the other ones, I'm going to go with the love, actually, because I've seen that so fucking many mm-hmm. times. And it one. is ridiculous and extremely problematic. Uh-huh. Like, really, the more you kind of... Very, very. It's not aging very well. It really no. is not. But it's still fun. It's still really fun. Yeah, definitely so. <laughs> All right, next. Choose a love heart. Like a little candy heart. Yeah, the little candy heart. So these, these are the messages on the hearts. I wish that, like, they would make these candy hearts for people that are like over 30 and they're just antacids just it's already oh, chalky yeah. and stuff oh that would be great just go ahead and make it like a that's Tums. a good idea honestly for sitar to do yeah on exactly their right. yeah day. there you, like, go. you go and they can serve special co- cocktails made of vodka <laughs> <laughs> gotta get ready for beach season yeah exactly mm-hmm. dude <laughs> it's never too early okay so here are the messages be true mm. kiss me mm. I'm yours Jason Mraz it says that. It says, kiss me. All right, it says, I'm yours, Jason Mraz. Yeah. Uh, I love you. You are cute. Er cute. Er cute. Hot stuff. I'm going with the hot stuff. Looking yeah. for some hot, hot stuff, baby, baby, this evening. I need uh, hot stuff. Baby, tonight. You know what? I'm, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a direct type of feller. I'll just say uh, you're cute. Oh. Yeah. Steve. You're cute. All right, Steve, where would you like to spend Valentine's Day? A restaurant. Bed. Right. The theater. A bore. On the sofa. 
Or perhaps on the beach. Oh, man. Um, well, as I said, overcrowded restaurant, overcrowded theater, overcrowded bar. Yeah. I, wonder if the, I don't know. Are the beaches overcrowded on Valentine's Day? I, I feel like Valentine's that. rarely. I mean, if it happened on the weekend, maybe. Yeah. But during Usually the week, yeah. Yeah, yeah, probably not. But so, yeah, the beach. That's a good choice mm-hmm. right there. It's never a bad time to be right near the beach. Boy, mercy. Zion. <laughs> I wonder how many times. Some good sins, Emiliano. We have said those exact phrases over the course of this podcast. A lot. Because it's many, <laughs> I know many we've said a lot sure. of mercy a <laughs> bunch of mercy. and right near the beach. <laughs> I'll quit saying it when they stop being awesome. <laughs> You know, considering I just said that, that we're going to sit our Indian buffet, I'm going to say restaurant. I got to be true to myself. Restaurant. That's where I'm going to. Cool, man. What did you do for Valentine's last year? Okay. Do you remember? That's a question I have for you because I, I don't remember. I don't think we did anything. I don't anything. think it did a thing at all. Yeah. I might have been out <clears throat> traveling or something. Yeah. I think I might have been out playing now that yeah. I think about so it. So it would have been a Wednesday since it's a Thursday this year. Is that how that works? I think so. Really? Oh, unless there's a leap year. Yeah. God damn. Yeah. Now I'm learning something. Wow. Um, how to date. Mm-hmm. I can't remember. Okay. Cried a lot. Went out with friends. Watched movies. Casual hookup. Is there not a all of the above? Wow, All the that's above. a busy night. Actually, you know what? I think if I'm not mistaken, last year... Yeah, actually, I know. Last year, we went to Sitar Indian Buffet. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, there you go. <laughs> with Andy Wood and his then-girlfriend and had ourselves a great time. So we went out with friends. We just had dinner and drank some some beer and champagne. And oh, yeah, that's, that's about fun. it. It was I, great. I do believe, actually, now that I think about it, that my wife was off and we went to a local Italian restaurant in Koreatown, Alangolo, oh. which we had gone to for her birthday, I believe. We went just, you know, because we were like, well, might as well. Yeah. Um, and that place is great. Anyway, so I'll say I had a date. Sounds good, man. All right. Choose a famous couple. A famous couple. How about a Beyonce and a Jay's? Okay. How about uh, Blake Lively and a Ryan Reynolds? I like that Ryan Reynolds. What about Michelle and Barack Obama? I like them too. Chrissy Teigen and Johan Legend. Chrissy Teigen's dope on Twitter. Ellen Degnagaris. Uh huh. And Portaya de Rossi. Two very funny women. Shakira and Gerard Piqui. I don't know who that other guy is. I know Shakira, Shakira. I, at first, when I glanced at my phone to look at these options, I thought that was a picture of Sammy Hagar and some guy out of the corner of my eye. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, Sammy, Sammy Hagar and a Hispanic man. Like it, yeah. I was like, no, that's Shakira. What the hell? <laughs> <laughs> Mastaquila, please. For me on this one, I'm going to go with... Uh, I, I'd like to hang out with Ellen and Portia de Rossi. I, Portia de Rossi is so seriously underrated for how funny she is she's hilarious in Arrested Development yeah she was hilarious in uh, Better Off Ted okay like she's such a funny lady I don't think I really and know Ellen much about is her. obviously yeah she's obviously awesome yeah. obviously you know I think of these I'm just gonna go with the Ryan Reynolds because I want to hang out with the Deadpool oh yeah that would be fun yeah and Blake Lively seems pretty fun herself so. and I like Canadians I just yeah. gen- gen- uh, generally 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 yeah. I would pick Michelle and Barack Obama, but I feel like that would be too formal of a, a time. Yeah. Well, there's, like, there's going to be bodyguards. Yeah. And, yeah. Yeah. That'd be, be fun. Beyonce and Jay-Z would be fun, but uh, I feel like if if I hung out with Beyonce, it would 
Because I'm not like a huge Beyonce. I'm not. I don't dislike Beyonce. Well, because you're not the fucking Illuminati. Right. I just don't get the obsession with her. Like yeah. it, it would seem like I was taking away from somebody who would really <laughs> love to meet Beyonce. Yeah, it's like you could be hanging yeah. out with somebody that thinks you're way more interesting than I do. I'm sorry about yeah. that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. What's our last one here? How do you feel about Valentine's Day? All right. Bitter. Mm. Excited. <gasps> Sad. Ooh. Indifferent. Mm. Angry. Arr. Hopeful. I'm excited because I want to eat a shit ton of Indian food. I do too. I'm. I. I, I got to talk to Emily and see if she's off because that would Boom. be awesome. Oh yeah. Yeah. Sounds like a good idea. How about you? Um. How do I feel about it? Indifferent. Yeah. Yeah. Apparently, I'm gonna spend Valentine's alone. Let's face it, you would have a better what? time with yourself than anyone else. Based on what? Yeah, my I was gonna say, what did you say at any moment yeah. that sounded like? It was like, I want to go to a restaurant. I had a date last year. I'm excited. Uh-huh. You'll have the most self indulgent Valentine's curled up under a blanket with too many snacks and a nice movie. That's, this is kind of growing on yeah. me. You're going to have an impeccably average day, which is perfect because you don't care for this holiday much anyway. I mean, just like that Dick size, an average day, that's a good thing. It's a good thing, man. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. Nobody's mad about an average day. I ain't. Yeah. What you got? You're going to spend Valentine's with your best friend, which is an absolute truth no matter what happens. Oh. Hey, if we show up at Sitar, spend Valentine's Day with a bunch of best friends, won't I? Steve, stop. I won't be able to bring Salem, though, so all of my best friends okay. won't be All right, there. all right. But a lot of them. Um, you're not spending, man's best friend. Not man's best friend. You're spending Valentine's with your best friend, but you already know this. There's no one you'd rather spend the day with and no one you love more. Whether you stay in and gossip or treat yourself to a fancy evening out, you're guaranteed to have the best day together. Well, that's true. That's pretty nice. Yay. That just sounds nice. All right. Well, now we know. And people are probably like, but what about Candyman? What about Candyman? How about we start digging into that motherfucker? Hell yeah. All right, Steve. The subject of our show today is going to be Candyman. The Candyman. Candyman and Candyman, attorneys at law. Uh-huh. Candyman, <laughs> Candyman, 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 and Candyman. <laughs> Just say our names five times and we'll be there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to murder you. Now, Steve, I assume this is not the first time that you have seen this no, movie. No, it's not. I saw it back, like, I remember renting it when it came out because I remember the, the poster. Yeah. And being like, what? Dude, like, this is one of those ones I, I mentioned on numerous other podcasts. I wasn't allowed to watch scary movies as a kid, but I'd always uh-huh. see the boxes at the video store. Yeah. And I think that's like, that's so many people from our age. Like, if you grew up in the yeah. 80s. You saw tons of boxes from video stores. You'll dude, remember every single one absolutely. that, like, stood out to you. Yes, yeah. dude. Like, all of those VHS boxes, I think, mm. are collectively burned into, like, all of our memories. Yeah. You know, like, I don't care if you're talking about, like, even stuff that a lot of people haven't seen. Like, if I say the Monkey Shines box art, oh, yeah, you I know, know it exactly. Yeah. Uh-huh. It's, it's got the symbol monkey. The guy with the symbols, yeah. Yeah. Um, or like the Child's Play box art. Like, so I remember many of specifically, these. like, the Pumpkin Head and Raw Head Rex. Yeah. Uh, uh-huh. because, and I remember they were, like, uh, I think at Video West. Yeah. <laughs> I think they were both at the top level, wow. like, right sort of next to each other because, you know, it would be like the p's and then the r's yeah yeah they're right next to each other and they kind of looked similar yeah, did, on yeah, the yeah. cover That's and that awesome. always stood out to me yeah but the the box art for this one is always one that i just you know i would just look at it and be like i wonder what the fuck this is about uh-huh because it's like a woman's eye with this really imposing menacing looking figure in it but then yeah. there's also a b yes on the eye which is already 
disconcerting. Yeah, exactly. It makes it's me like, kind of itch. Like, yeah. Just, ugh, there yeah. was so much stuff about that movie poster and movie box art and stuff that just intrigued me as a kid, but yeah. I never saw it until I think last year was the first time that I watched okay. it. Now, when you were a kid and you watched it, did you like it? Uh-huh. Yeah, I liked it, but I didn't watch it again until uh, my wife and I lived in Highland Park. Yeah. And we watched it with um, my, you know, our roommate at the time, Eddie, one of our good buddies. Yeah. Um, I this this was before we even started the podcast, but mm-hmm. I told him, you know, when we were out there, you know, I was I was writing horror movies and he was like, Oh, Candyman is one of my favorite horror movies and I was like, Haven't seen it in a long time. He's like, We're watching it. Yeah. So we sat down to watch it and it just immediately like I was like, Why have I not rewatched this? This movie is so cool and right. weird and yeah. different. And now, like, I, I think I've mentioned it several times when I've talked about how 90s horror could have gone a great and different direction. Yeah, certainly. With things like Candyman and In the Mouth of Madness yeah. and, like, you know, Event Horizon and stuff like that. If we could gotten more of that weirdness right. that was in the 90s well, instead of just that straight, like, everybody trying to copy Scream. Exactly. Well, and also, too, like, the thing about Candyman and some of the other flicks that you're talking about is it put horror into the world of the 90s. Yes. It wasn't just sticking it in, well, we're still at camp getting murdered. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? Yeah. It, like, 80s stuff was. It's like, Candyman is, is really unique, I think, in the spectrum of some of that early 90s horror in that it paints a picture of what life was like in the inner city and stuff yeah. like that during that that uh-huh. time period and whenever i watched this for the first time last year uh i i really liked it. i was like wow this is really really unique really different yeah. i can't really compare it to much yeah and then i watched it again this year yeah you know for the show and i watched it again and i was like okay this is actually quite a bit different than i remember uh-huh you know i still enjoyed it but i'll tell you over the next couple of days, I just kind of, you know, stewed on it, marinated on it some, uh-huh. and I started having some problems with it. Okay. So a handful of problems, actually. We'll kind of right. talk about some of those as we, as we go along here, but I look, at, I look forward to seeing what you think about some of the, some of those points about this movie. Okay. Now, what do you know about the, the creation of this flick? Like it was okay, based so on this is, a short or something, Yeah, right? this is based on a short story from Clive Barker's Books of Blood series, mm-hmm. which was uh, a man who series. raises hell himself. Man, I love Clive Barker. Yeah. This is um, the third Clive Barker inspired movie we've done and won't be the last for no, sure. No, certainly not. Um, but yeah, books of blood were some short stories that were compiled into, I think three to five different books throughout the eighties. Yeah. Um, and the short story was called the forbidden and it was, it's more, it's English centered and the themes are more based on like class struggles. Oh, so it doesn't take place in like inner city. No, it doesn't. So yeah. So this, this adaptation, uh, makes it American and, and still works on that those class struggles, but puts it more in the sense of race issues and and uh, poverty and economic issues. Okay, so it's um, more of a, a, cl- uh, a class and economic yeah. struggle than yeah. it is a racial struggle in a lot of ways. Yeah, that yeah, that's what the original was. But this this put this brings race into the the sort of forefront yeah. by putting it into. Um, I mean, giving us the Candyman who was killed for racial reasons, mm-hmm. yeah, uh, and then also putting, showing us, confronting us with what it's like to have to live in the uh, projects yeah. in a big city, right? Um, so yeah, uh, this, so it's adapted by 
the director, Bernard Rose, he adapted the screenplay and like the way he did it, like I, I think because I've talked about this a bunch and people are really talking about this more now with like the Stephen King adaptations coming fast and furious, like yeah, yeah. that you have you there is a lot of value in changing major things about the material that you're adapting okay yeah there's a a a, a great deal to be gotten from knowing that the the original material is great mm-hmm. and worth reading and worth uh, everyone knowing but also that that's not how movies work hey but come on we talked about the shining last week let's move on and talk about candy man am i right yeah well i mean like specifically like even pet cemetery the pet yeah. cemetery the newest trailer oh did has, you watch it uh yes and it kind of has some people upset because instead of the instead of gauge being killed it's the girl yeah but that okay so if anybody are all right, we're gonna do Pet Cemetery. It's coming up in yeah. the future. And I've said this before, but Pet Cemetery is very hokey to me. Yeah. And and doesn't really ever get scary to me. And one of the yeah. things that really makes it not scary is the fact that that little kid isn't like he's not in most of those scenes. Right. Like yeah. it's like a doll and like stand-ins and sure. stuff. Like, yeah, that's true. That's true. And when you make it like a twelve-year-old girl. You can have a human. You can have, yeah, That's and true. it's and it's scary. Yeah, because someone who's twelve year old girl sized is still formidable as an opponent. <laughs> yeah, whereas like little four year old Gage is yeah. like a fucking field goal that motherfucker. Yeah. yeah, and they couldn't have Gage say a lot of the real cryptic and weird stuff he says in the book. Yeah, which is real dark. Yeah, yeah but yeah, they yeah, can yeah. have the twelve year old girl say it. Yeah, that's true. So that's true. It's I think it's a good change. Well, but again, people get people want things to be very much like the thing they read, but. This is another proof that just adjusting, taking some slight tweaks can really take something that you love seeing on the page and make it something you love seeing on the screen. Yeah. Two separate things, though. But anyway, yeah, so Bernard Rose, he, um, like, you look at his IMDb and I just, I didn't recognize any of the titles. He's more, Hmm. like, he does more independent sort of artistic stuff. He, He recently, in 2015, did... A version of Frankenstein that's from the the creature's point of view. Okay. Um, and you know, it had some names in it that I recognized. And yeah. it, it got great reviews. A lot of his stuff gets great reviews. It just doesn't seem I don't know that I've I've ever heard of any of them. Okay. So but he's obviously a great director. I mean this this movie has a lot of great, really interesting shots. A lot of like Yeah. I love the opening sequence oh, with yeah. just the overheads of the highways uh-huh, and stuff. With the Philip Glass soundtrack. Yeah. It's just like, oh, this is, I'm already drawn into this. It's really cool. And it also kind of sets the tone of this movie, which is essentially kind of a gothic romance uh-huh. sort of story, but it's set in this sort of. urban landscape. And it's interesting because soundtrack wise, Philip Glass could have taken this in any number of different directions. Yeah. But the fact that it is so like Elizabethan and gothic and classical. Uh-huh. Uh, I think is a really interesting choice that just kind of like reminds you of what kind of movie this really is, which again is more in that that sort of gothic tone. Do you think that was kind of an intentional thing to bring yeah, the elements in? I think so. I think to because like you people automatically, especially in the nineties, because there had been like you know menace to society and stuff like. I don't know how many uh, movies about the hood had come up. At, 
out at this point, but the way people perceived the hood would make people think that the the tension is going to be different than it is in this movie. And mm. I think the soundtrack sort of opens up the the setting. Mm-hmm. So when we get into the projects, we're not thinking about the hood as we've seen it in other movies. We're we're in this sort of baroque music space where we're we're like what is going on yeah. with this uh you know interesting Candyman character with this alluring backstory and stuff. It it it, it I guess recontextualizes the projects. Well, you know what's interesting yeah. about it too, and you look at it in terms of recontextualizing and stuff too. I think it makes the movie whiter. That is true. You know? It does. That's true. Yeah. Uh, which I think and is... And that is one of the problems with this movie. It is, and I think that it's intentional and unintentional in mm-hmm. a lot of ways. Uh, we'll cover more of that as we go, but it's like yeah. there's there's a lot of things in here that are, I think, good, and there's a lot of stuff in here that's very problematic. Yeah, well, yes, we'll definitely you know? but talk a good bit about that. I do like how the soundtrack complements, again, the, yeah. the whiteness and the, the gothic romance kind of subtext here. Yeah. And what do you think about the cast that we have in this flick? Man, Relatively okay. small, not a gigantic it is cast pretty small. movie. Yeah, pretty small. I mean... You know, there are several people in the projects, but not all of them get characterized. Yeah, some of them are actual gang members. Is that true? Yeah, yeah. I mean, they really did shoot at, at Cab- the, Cabrini uh, Green. Yeah, Cabrini Green, yeah. And so basically, like, the filmmakers and stuff talked to the actual gang that was occupying mm-hmm. that turf at that time. Yeah. And they said basically that they would keep them safe if they could be in the movie. Well, they did a great job. Oh, they're awesome. Yeah, I, did, yeah. I couldn't tell in the least, but... Yeah, yeah, it was good. Huh? So anyway, cast wise, yeah, cast wise, um, Tony Todd is perfect. Yeah, I cannot imagine yeah. anybody else in this dude. No. His look, mm-hmm. his stature, his gait and yep. physicality, and of course that voice, that fucking voice, yep. dude, that sounds like bubbling lava, just blowing your speakers <laughs> up, man. And it's it's nice too because the movie opens up with him talking, yeah, and then the bees and stuff, yeah, really sets the tone. Like that music, the weird intro, and his voice really just kind of immediately made me go, okay, this movie is really weirder than I thought that it was gonna be. Yeah, the opening it's just showing those bees, and he says, um. They will say that I have shed innocent blood. What's blood for if not for shedding? Which is it's Clive like, Barker as fuck. Yes, it is. Clive <laughs> Barker <laughs> as fuck, dude. And you're immediately just like, what am I already into? Yeah. There's a lot of stuff in this that I think was definitely, definitely Clive Barker mm-hmm. influenced. I mean, other than obviously the, the, the short and stuff yeah. like that. There's a lot of times where some of the direction and sets and lighting and dialogue even remind me of Hellraiser very many times yeah. in the course of this. Where it's like just that slightly not realistic, slightly dreamy, uh-huh. you know, just like kind of off. Like it's not yeah. realistic exactly. Right, yeah. The, it's I a mean, vision the, of reality the kind of thing. The scenes between, uh, you know, Candyman and uh, Helen yeah. where he's basically trying to seduce her into becoming his... Victim, uh, yeah, becoming his victim, which would mean being with him forever in the collective unconscious of of the people at Cabrini Green. The way he talks to her, it's like Frank and uh, Claire. Yeah, in, yeah, yeah. Come to daddy. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, they're they're very similar situations and similar in the, you know that. I think is her name Claire or is that the actress's name? The Claire Higgins is Claire Higgins, Mrs. Is Heat Miser, uh-huh. looking lady in there. Yeah, but the main um, girl is uh, fuck. It's not Tina, is it? 
Yeah, but I'm I'm talking about her. I'm talking yeah, yeah, about yeah. Uh, like their their interactions, like the way that she's sort of repulsed by him at first, and then you know yeah. falls falls in with him is very similar in the way that uh, Helen sort of falls into. I guess being allured by, but also being repulsed by right. Candyman. Definitely. What yeah. do you think about Helen? Virginia Madsen. Virginia oh my gosh. Madsen. Man. I there is a holy trinity of uh what I would say skeptical hotties. <laughs> <laughs> I, I would say Virginia Madsen in this movie, Jillian Anderson as Dana Scully. Of course. And Carrie Byron on Mythbusters. Well see, she reminded me of Scully so much yes. in this movie that like when yeah. the movie started, I, when I was watching it for the second and, time the other day, yeah. I was like, Scully? No, that's not Scully. <laughs> uh-huh. And <laughs> X Files started the year after this. So, really? Uh, yeah. The, oh, there so may this have, was pre Scully. Yeah, there may have been some influence on the the casting there. Oh. But yeah, I man, Virginia Madsen, so pretty. A skeptical nineties hottie. Just yeah. a, straight straight shot to steve's heart uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> i but understand she's great in this though like she's such a great actress in this like she really plays the role and like especially like it really hit me when the scene when the, she's in the hospital after mm-hmm. she has killed that dog and yeah, the, yeah. the baby disappears yeah and they're telling her to undress and like the way she's acting yeah it's really perfect, good wonderful. yeah yeah the guy who plays gregory in the walking dead plays the boyfriend Oh no shit. Yeah, Vanessa Williams. Uh not But not that Vanessa not Williams. Not that Vanessa Williams. The another other. Vanessa Williams. Another uh, gorgeous black yeah. lady named Vanessa oh, Williams. Yeah. She plays Anne Marie. And then Casey Williams or Casey Lemons, sorry, who is uh, an actress also, but she's also a director and one of her films, Eve's Bayou, is discussed in Horror Noir. Oh no doubt. Yeah. So Full she plays circle. uh she plays uh, Bernie. We've also got a Ted Raimi in here. Oh, yeah. Ted Raimi shows up in the beginning. I didn't even realize that when I watched it. I was reading the credits later. And I was like, wait, uh-huh. Ted Raimi? <laughs> when I think Ted Raimi, I think about his role in Intruder, which is that slasher flick right, grocery store. Right, you told me about it, and I haven't watched it Dude, still. he is amazing in that uh-huh. movie. That's all I that Ted I could Raimi. ever see Ted Raimi as. Him in Ash versus the Evil Dead was really great. He's like, he plays Ash's friend. Okay, who's yeah. He's a bartender. Oh, He's really cool. funny, yeah. This movie kind of has a little bit of a... I don't know, the opening of this, like I said, after you got the, the crazy interstate credits and all that stuff, uh-huh. to me it almost opens kind of feeling like a Kevin Smith movie. Did yeah. you hear about that time there was this girl on a date and then it cuts just to like a completely yeah. different scene and different yeah. actors and stuff and it yeah. just kind of starts with like an aside? Uh-huh. Kind of reminds me of like a Kevin Smith movie yeah. or something. It, it does. It, it, it's definitely different uh, and definitely influenced, I think, by independent yeah. films at the time. It's definitely got that piss poor acting quality that clerks does because <laughs> that chick that's acting yeah like, dude that whole scene where she's like yeah she was cheating on her boyfriend with this other guy and uh-huh. she took him up to the bathroom and she's like do you know about candy man uh-huh it's like how is that relevant to what's going on like she's right. about to fuck this well, we, guy yeah we don't know yet like it starts in meteor race we don't know that this is about a folklorist who's writing about the urban legend of Candyman. Yeah. It's just like, why is this happening? It seems like it's about uh, a white girl that wants to have some kind of spect- spectral threesome. Spectral interracial threesome <laughs> and call the Candyman in and get freaky with that hook hand, I guess. Alright. If that's what you're into. If that's what you're into, I don't think that the Candyman's as into that as she may have been. I don't know. He likes blonde white women, obviously. It is true. <laughs> he has a, a career <laughs> of liking blonde white women. So... Might would have just been right up his alley. Might would have been. <laughs> um, so some of the people, like 
Oh, well, I, I just want to talk about two people who were considered for our main roles. Okay, One, yeah, there were some weird casting choices that were going to be made that would have resulted in uh, a drastically different movie. Right, and I want to talk about one person who may have played Candyman and one person who may have played Helen. <laughs> they wanted Eddie Murphy to play Candyman. Donkey from Shrek. They wanted Donkey. <laughs> donkey! <laughs> now, that would have been a very different kind of flick. I, yes, I can tell you what that flick would have been. Watch Vampire in Brooklyn. Oh, it would have been that's that. That's what it would have been. Because that's he's playing like this alluring character and stuff, but it never quite... Because uh. it's Eddie Murphy. You're yeah, like, it's Eddie Murphy. Come on. This should get funny at some point. Yeah. And it doesn't. I just can't imagine anybody but that Tony Todd voice and delivery oh, yeah. and stuff. And the physicality, well, yeah, too. No, like, I, Eddie Murphy's I would say uh, the other two people I mentioned... Ken Free and Keith David are the other two I could oh, think maybe fuck, could play. Yeah. yeah, dude, Keith David would have been awesome. Yeah, he could have. Or been. Ken Free would have been awesome. Yeah. either way. But man. I think Tony Todd is perfect because he he's just got he's a like he's a dude, very dude. tall man. Yeah, and Eddie that, Murphy's like five eight. Or oh yeah, like Eddie that. Murphy like would not have he's played kind of it that well. Size guy. He's just yeah about an average height guy. Yeah, Tony Todd is just very big, and that first time you see him is almost like. That first time you see Freddy and he's got the weird distorted arms, like yeah, his, yeah. his height looks distorted. Yeah. He looks like too big. He's wearing that big coat and yeah. stuff. Yeah, very, very imposing figure. Yeah, so Eddie Murphy would have been weird in that. Yeah, I can't imagine uh, that, dude. And <laughs> the other choice for Helen. Considered for Helen, Sandra Bullock. America's Sweetheart. America's Sweetheart. Sandy B. But she wasn't America's Sweetheart then. This is 92. This is before Speed. This would have been like fucking Jennifer Aniston, Leprechaun, where it's yeah. just like, I don't know, some up and coming, uh-huh. good looking white girl. Yeah. I don't know. Because I, I think Virginia Madsen's perfect in this. I don't know. I I think Virginia Madsen's perfect in this because she, she kind of looks like porcelain and un- unobtainable like yeah. she looks like this she looks like a, a painting of a woman like a yes. goddess yeah like yeah. Yeah. she she looks w- different and more importantly she's got those classical beauty features yeah. like an elizabethan portrait yes of exactly a woman and stuff yeah and so she it sort of plays this idea that like she she resembles his former lover yeah and like all that or stuff. Might be reincarnated yeah whereas like that. Yeah. sandy bullock she looks like you know approachable and and like an average everyday woman who just happens to be gorgeous and happens to be awesome and stuff date racists she did uh, be married to <laughs> a white supremacist at one point yeah america's sweetheart sandra bullock, America's sweetheart, sandra bullock. <laughs> but um yeah that, i think that would have been weird because she would have just been too relatable so the the twist where she's killing people, yeah. Or well, we'll get to is she killing people, right, right, right. But the twist where like it would have just been unbelievable. Everybody would be like, no, like yeah. obviously something's up. Somewhere, you know, in ultimately a a, a world where an infinite number of parallel universes is possible, uh-huh. there exists a version of this with, with Eddie, Murphy Eddie Murphy and Sandra and Bullock. Sandra Bullock. It's out there somewhere, and I'm and dying be- to know how it went. I, it could ha- I mean honestly if it had Eddie Murphy in it this is where Eddie Murphy had made any bombs that I can think of oh yeah yeah this he would have made a ton of streak. fucking money oh yeah absolutely so, so that that world like horror might have continued to take a weird direction that might be the beautiful timeline that we where where uh, gore 
won in 2000. Yeah. <laughs> we didn't even have to deal with George W. Bush. <laughs> Holy shit, man. Hey, speaking of gore, tell me how you feel about speaking the gore and gore, special effects in this movie. This is fucking great. This movie it has some very brutal. effective shit in there. It's, yes. There's not like tons of it. No, no, but it's like, it's so like when he say the psychiatrist, when he kills that psychiatrist with the hook from the back, like the noises it makes yeah and like the effort work. he shows in trying to do like that's yeah. some good acting oh yeah it's the good effort where it's like you know i'm pulling a hook through flesh it's Brutal. not like cutting it's ripping yeah 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 yeah. that was that was really cool but yeah you don't see much just blood he like coughs blood up yeah but you don't really see much but it, yeah i mean that's a smart smart play there's a couple like all-out bloodbath scenes in the movie yes that are extremely extremely effective that yeah. scene of the the boy in the bathroom that's oh, been killed God, he got, yeah he got it's fucking punishing kind of, well he didn't i don't know that he died did he oh yeah they say it later uh that he died but, but yeah like he's not disturbing. dead when we first see him it's very disturbing yeah. blood everywhere been and the kids screaming and yeah. stuff very brutal and then of course the scene where uh, Helen wakes up and she's in the apartment and yeah. there's blood everywhere and like the dog's head has been cut yeah. off. Dude, the the severed head of the dog is just so unexpectedly yeah. like holy shit that is fucking brutal. Uh-huh. And then really the, ba- the baby's uh room is just covered in blood. Yeah. So it's like is the baby dead too? And like, the mom's just screaming yeah. the whole time. Reacting exactly as you would in that situation. Uh, what yeah. the fuck is going on? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, very effective. But, mm-hmm. you know, this kind of goes to show you that whenever you don't have a movie that's just absolutely covered in gore every five or ten minutes, yeah, it makes it all the more shocking. Yeah, when it does happen. Whenever it does show mm-hmm. up, yeah. And then there's some cool special effects stuff with, like, the bees and all that jazz. Yeah. Uh, which, those are real bees. Like, Tony yeah. Todd really has bees yes, all up in his Virginia mouth Virginia Madsen has stuff. them all over her face. You can Ugh, tell what gross. they do with that. It is really gross. What they do to prevent them from stinging and flying and, and swarming and stuff is they get them cold. But Really? Yeah. So they, they get a bee cold. Yeah. So you know, since they their metabolism then sort of slows down. I did not and know. They that. just walk instead of flying. And they're less huh. likely to sting. I was reading a thing too where, you know, this this is just one of those things where of course, this day and age, that would just be CGI done. Oh, and it would look like shit. So they apparently had a breed of bees specifically created and like bred for this movie. Really? Yeah. That's pretty cool. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. And they were like only a certain number of, it's like, you know, a week old or something like this to where their stingers weren't like fully developed, right. but they still looked like full size bees. Uh huh. Like they specifically, okay. This is how you made movies in the 90s. Yeah, you had to come up with practical solutions yeah. to problems instead of being like, oh, they'll fix it with a computer. Yeah, you had to be like, well, we need this for the movie, so let's go create an insect, I guess. Mm-hmm. What? That it's, would never happen today. No. Never, ever, ever. And consider that the budget for this was around $6 million. That's nuts. But That's like, crazy. But like, think about it. I wonder if it is cheaper to breed your own species of bee. Yeah. Than to have it done on computer. Right. It might be. I mean, bees probably fuck a lot. They do. So, they love that wouldn't fucking... take that long. <laughs> but, you know, the crazy thing is, too, is apparently, uh, what's the name that plays Helen? 
Oh, uh, Virginia Madsen. Virginia Madsen is like actually allergic to bees. Holy shit. Yeah. So they had to have like an ambulance and Ooh. like a doctor on stage like at all times in case she got stung. That's badass that she did it. That's pretty hard yeah. ass, dude. Yeah. I mean, I would think most people would be like, yeah, I'm, I'm not, you know, this movie is allergic bees, to not bees. doing it. So yeah. <laughs> find, go get Sandy on the phone. Yeah, she was. Get her like, to do it. I mean, also with that black, I like, um, I like what they do with her. Like, yeah. she she was very willing to get gross. Like like I said about Chloe Moretz and Suspiria. Oh, I right. think that's really amazing when you have this beautiful person who's just really willing to get gross. Yeah, yeah. And so, like, you know, being imperfect, having that, that huge black eye after the, the oh, drug dealer right. hit her. Yeah, yeah. And, like, even for a while, it's still sort of, like, yeah. healing and stuff. And yeah, being willing to go through that, that's really like it shows dedication that you really want to see in a horror movie. Yeah. And I love the way that they made the hook hand look too. It's or it so is like just crude this, and gross. Uh, there's like nails uh-huh. stuck in the just stump shoved into the, the bloody stump. Oh. Yeah. So fucking punishing and disgusting, uh-huh. dude. And like the stump looks kind of wet, like uh-huh. it's not really healed up yet. Oh. Which again, th- that's all very Clive Barker to me. I yeah. think that those are a lot of aesthetic and uh, then it's touches like from Clive. Chest is just yeah. like eaten through and filled with bees. Yeah, God, that's so cool. It's but again, rad. that reminds like I I I think this movie in some ways like when you if you want to create a Candyman, if you reverse engineer a Candyman, it's uh, Freddy Krueger with the sexuality and personality of Dracula. The allure and yeah. stuff, right? Yeah. Yeah, I can see that because he seems to be kind of this, you know, supernatural, ethereal. Mm-hmm. He exists within people's fears. And he exists if people believe in him. Yeah, he needs people too, to believe in him, yeah. Which is very, very, very much Freddy, yeah. But then, like you said, he's also got this sort of sensuality, mm-hmm. this gothic romanticism yeah. about him, too. I'd like to raise. I'd like to raise a toast. Oh yeah, to my man Tony now, Todd. I'm really excited about this. this I am was too. One that Ryan brought us at the hangout. Uh huh. It is a pontoon brewing triple combustible pineapple. It says it's hazy, juicy, and creamy. It's it's got lactose, so this is kind of like an I. It says here milkshake triple IPA. So it is a creamy pineapple yeah. triple. And you know what we proposed here on the show several weeks ago when we were drinking like a, it was like a double or an imperial IPA uh-huh. and we we're like what the fuck does that mean oh yeah Roger told us he broke it down yeah. for us y'all <laughs> finally I understand and I know so you know you're making an IPA you got stuff like hops yeah you got your ingredients yeast and all the sugars and all that kind of stuff if you're making a double IPA you just double that amount of ingredient keep the same amount of water yeah but just double all the shit in it yep if it's a triple you triple all the shit in it yep. same amount of water so there you go. An Imperial IPA is just a double IPA. And now we know because RDM said so. Just <laughs> because RDM us. said yeah. so. <laughs> Can I get a hell yeah? <laughs> yeah, I'm definitely excited to try this because it's also almost 12%. Yes, it is. I mean, this is going to be brutal. Now it is very hazy, very creamy looking too. Oh my God, it smells dank. Yes, it does. It smells like fermented pineapple. Yes, it like does. Like it really smells a lot like pineapple, but it has a stank to it too, which I'm very excited about. Ooh, How's that treat you? Buddy. You into that? Yes, I am. <laughs> Give me a descriptor while I get myself um, a pull here. You get that pineapple. It's like immediately IPA-ish. Oh my God. But that pineapple comes through and it's creamy, just Holy smokes, dude. And also, that is 
unbelievably smooth considering that's almost as strong as wine. Seriously. Holy shit. It is so creamy and and after that second drink, extremely pineapple. Uh, yeah. And the thing is, too, is usually whenever you start getting into those doubles and triples, to me, you start losing a lot of the funky hot right. flavor in favor of the more... Uh, you know, molassesy brown yeah. sugary taste because yeah. apparently you triple the amount of sugar and right. stuff in them. But this still has a fuck ton of those hot yes, flavors it in it too. It tastes like an IPA. It really does. It's Dude, very juicy. That is amazing. And it kind of has a little bit of that burnt sugar pineapple upside down mm-hmm. cake. Yeah. You know, kind of toffee, pineapple so toffee awesome. kind of taste. Yes, yes, yes. Holy shit. That is great. That is insane. I could probably drink my body weight in that right there. Yeah. Damn. Yeah, we, Thanks so that, much, Ryan. That is, the, that is the issue I already see with this almost 12% beer, mm-hmm. is that I could slam this. And then die. It is so drinkable. Yeah. That's amazing. Thank you so much, Ryan, for Yeah, thanks, that. Ryan. There's like one more in the fridge. You gave us three of them, so yeah. we get to split another one of these on another show. Awesome. I'm already excited about that. Now, Steve, the... The hook hand aspect uh-huh. of the Candyman's kind of character design, I assume, is inspired by the old hook hand campfire. Yeah, the urban, urban legend, legend kind yeah. of thing. And this is, uh, you know, we've talked about urban legends many times yeah, on we this have. show. We've talked we've about it for of, Urban Legend and Scream yeah, and a bunch of other ones. Yeah, we've sort of gone backwards because we did urban legend pretty early on we in did. the podcast. Yeah, yeah. Um, That's a fun episode. It is a fun episode. We it's, hate it. Yeah, it's not a good movie. <laughs> but, um,. We've sort of gone backwards because the we then did I Know What You Did last summer where I saw the very clear inspiration for Urban Legend yeah. because they start out talking about an urban legend. Right. But then when you watch Candyman, it's like, oh, right, they're doing Candyman. Right, yeah. But they just made him a fisherman. Exactly. And, but yeah. it's a very similar situation, very similar story. And totally. Instead of him being maybe supernatural or maybe not existing... He is very much uh, an alive a person. person. Yeah. yeah, yeah. This adds a, a supernatural yeah. kind of element to it. And then, and stuff. It, if you go back even further, stuff that you know, like uh, the the what's the one where the babysitter calls and the, the calls are coming from the inside the house? Oh, uh, fucking Black Christmas. Oh, well, oh yeah, Black Christmas does that. They also yeah. did another one that has the same oh, sort of purpose. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. 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 But remember. those are based off an urban legend themselves, right? So, like, urban legends have this deeply ingrained uh, history in horror itself. Yeah. I mean, even if you go back further, like, since urban legends wouldn't have existed, they would have been, I guess, country legends. Dracula, uh, like vampires. Folklore. Uh, yeah, folklore. Yeah. Urban legends are just, you know, folklore an off- the modern age. Yeah. Yeah. So she's a folklorist who focuses on urban legends, specifically the urban legend of the Candyman. Right, but apparently she's really bad at it because she's doing this whole thing where she's researching this shit and then she goes and meets up with fucking old Benjamin Franklin looking motherfucker. <laughs> and she's like, oh His yeah, His name gonna- is Purcell. Purcell. Uh, and she's like, we're going to blow the doors off of you. She says, we're going to bury you. We're going to bury you. And then he's like, do you know the story of Candyman? And she's like, no. No. <laughs> <laughs> like, really? Yeah, that was a that was a... She's think, coming in a little too bold with yeah. those claims of burying. Him. I think I feel like that was a that was not great writing. There I mean, there's better ways to get that that exposition, working, dude. Uh huh. Yeah, they were working toward having their thesis done soon, 
And she hadn't even read a paper he wrote on Candyman 10 years before. <laughs> like, right. she didn't even know the the history of Candyman. It's like... But, you know... What, I mean, they, they had been gathering all this or like the oral history maybe they were focused more on that but it's weird that she hadn't read that article i mean i understand it was harder in 1992 you can just google it i mean yeah it it does seem like you you would have at least gone into the records and been like anybody ever write anything on this yeah oh this guy we know maybe we could talk to him (laughs) now let's spend a minute here because obviously kind of some of the racial uh, relations and mm-hmm. racial outlooks and stuff are, I think, a big part of enjoying yeah. and analyzing this movie. Well, the, yeah, the first major uh, thing that has to be uh, noted is that this is the Black Freddy Krueger. This is the Black Jason. This is the Black yeah. Michael Myers. The Black Slasher. It's the only um, one. Yeah, and so Bernard Rose, the writer-director, uh, the producers were a little worried in making this that it was going to come across as racist. Because he's a white dude. Yeah, because he's a white dude. Yeah. He's a white guy adapting a story written by a white guy, trying to turn it, you know, uh, more black. But, like, how how is he going to do that from a white perspective? Yeah. So and, that- I'll, and I'll say that all of our analyzations and stuff like this, yeah. of course, are going to be... Yeah, we're two white guys. At, yeah, as two white guys that we did have not no, grow up no in the hood full concept of it. Like no, and especially considering we're from fucking East Tennessee, like the whitest right. place in the world. Well, yeah, yeah. Our, our, have... our perspective is is quite skewed, I think, but I, I think yeah. we try to be understanding. I think we do, and and we, I'm very open to being corrected. So, oh yeah, please if we bring say on, anything please do. wrong, or we say anything that is is insensitive, uh, let us know. Yeah, we'd I'm, love to hear about it. Yeah, for sure, man. Um, but yeah, so they had him sit down with representatives from the NAACP. Oh, okay. Wow. And the NAACP at representatives had read the script and they sat down and said, really don't know why we're meeting with you. This is a great idea. Oh, like black people deserve to have their own ghosts, their own Freddy Krueger. Okay, cool. So great. Go do it. All right. Um, and Virginia Matson was even worried when it was coming out because, you know, Spike Lee do the right thing and stuff like that. That had all been coming out you know in the late 80s early 90s yeah then we also you know we had a a sort of resurgence in african pride and stuff like that Mm -hmm. around that time and and she said that she was worried before it came out because she was like well i I don't feel like spike lee's gonna like this movie yeah like this doesn't have these positive portrayals of black characters Mm -hmm. though it does have like i mean uh bernie her research partner yeah that's a positive portrayal of a black character yeah but then everyone else is living in the project. I mean, so. wait, I, I don't know. Is she? Because she's the one that's like really scared to go in the projects and be in the really fucking black areas of the city. Like she's, <laughs> the, she's the black but one that, and she's scared. I mean, that, that could be, that could mean a, a few things. I, I think it adds some depth to her character. It could mean that she, she has never been there. Like she grew up outside of, of all of that. Yeah. So she's separated from it. So she... Her her feelings going into her are the same as as a white person's feeling, right? Like she, it's foreign to her. Yeah, but or, Helen, Helen's not scared at all. No, she's not scared at all. But it could also be that she comes up from that stuff and knows it is dangerous, right? And they probably shouldn't go looking like cops. But looking like cops actually ends up helping them because yeah. nobody will fuck with them because they look like cops. Yeah, because why else would a white person yeah. be going down there? So, like, the other three women I would point to would be the janitorial ladies and uh, Anne-Marie. 
Right. And both of them are shown, or all of them are shown as being in like low status positions, um, just trying to get by, basically. Yeah, definitely. And it, it's it's one dimensional. Sure. Like you, you get much better characterization of black characters and in, in you know stuff like The Wire or whatever. But you know, it's also a show created by a white guy. But a lot got, later in the game. Too. Yeah, a lot yeah. later in the game with a lot more perspective. But um, yeah, they're they're all pretty much just menial uh, jobs trying to get by very sort of simple outlook on life um, so yeah that that kind of sucks yeah and then also like I don't know how um, accurate anyone can say the uh, any character written from a white perspective to be black can be sure it seemed to me that if you write a character as a white person, you then cast someone and have them rewrite the part with you. Mm, yeah. Like that would be the only way I would think that you could possibly do it and, and do it justice. Right. From an informed perspective. Right. You know, and, and where I was kind of thinking about this movie in terms of the, again, the urban legend, the folklore, as well as some of the, that beer is just amazing. It's it? great. As well as just some of the, the, the prisms that I think a lot of the characters look at things through in this movie Let's just think for a second about calling the story of Candyman an urban legend and treating it like folklore. Okay. Because whenever we talk about folklore, yeah. we're typically talking about stories of, you know, I mean, it could go as far back as Zeus. Sure, yeah. And Odin and Thor and right. stuff like this. All these things that are like magical things that, let's be honest, never happen. Right. And stuff like that. And I think that this movie takes a very assertive stance on how whites view black history and the history and treatment of blacks in America because, okay, the story of Candyman, uh-huh. it is not an urban legend. It is not folklore. No, it's it is history. A, it's a story of a hate crime. Yeah, it's a story of a hate crime. It's a story of a hate crime because basically all that happens is the Candyman in his life as a free slave. Yeah, as a, and the and son of a slave. The, the son of a free slave who had made a bunch of money. Yeah, so he had done very well for himself. Yeah. Uh, grew up extremely educated in high society, was extremely artistically gifted. Great painter. Everybody yeah. wanted him to come paint them. Yeah. And very well thought of. Yeah. Only he made the mistake of falling in love with a white girl. Yeah. And getting her pregnant. Yeah. And uh, I mean, like now where okay where's the horror in that what about that him makes him a monster see that's nothing there is no horror in that that he is no monster and then he is brutally murdered by a mob Uh of angry white folk for again no reason yeah exactly other than he's black and yeah he's black and had sex with a white woman right and then this movie shows that as white people what do we do we take that and we fucking teach it as a college thesis yeah. in our super exclusive right. rich posh schools and talk <laughs> about it like it's urban legend and we yeah. oh let's go and study it in the ghetto blah blah yeah. blah I think that that's a very bold statement on the way that whites look back on treatments of black yeah. through American it's history very, we look at it clinically scientifically yeah and it's like you're the one that yeah. fucking caused it we yeah. did it like, yeah. Nowhere in there is there any mention of any of these white people being like, that's pretty fucked up, right? 
nothing bad happened. We just killed That's him because he's true. black. Nobody ever fucking says that. Nobody does. Nobody. Nobody. Like, none of the white people talk about yeah. racism in this movie. No. Nothing. We talk about this stuff like it's folklore, like it's a fucking fairy tale. And it's like, no, this is shit that really happened. And at the time of this movie happened 100 years ago, because they say the, can- the Candyman tale started in 1890. Yeah. So just over 100 years ago... This guy was murdered for the sin of falling in love with a white woman. And that's all. And I think that the way that this movie portrays that, and I know that that's one of the critiques that I see from people a lot about this is like that they don't expose the racism and hate crime and stuff like that. That was the way that he was murdered. Yeah. I think that's deliberate. I think that that's to show white people just treat this shit like it's fucking fairy tales. And it happened. From the perspective, I mean, because, I mean, we have to establish. I I think that this movie is told uh, as like a, a, a unreliable narrative sure. from Helen's perspective. It seems that way, yeah. And so since it's from Helen's perspective, she is this college-educated woman who's looking at this from a clinical, scientific, like, research perspective. Yeah. So it's presented to us in that way. It is very much intentional. I sure. Think. Yeah. Well, and even, too, you know, to, to get into that the way that the, the the white people can romanticize uh, even fetishize in a lot of ways yeah. the the story of blacks mm-hmm. in America and the suffering uh, that they went through at yeah. our own hands did you even notice in that scene where uh, uh, fucking 1990 Benjamin Franklin <laughs> is telling her the story about Candyman yeah did you notice the way they shot her during those scenes yeah, her. It was like the light was just on her eyes, and the, everything else was in shadow. It's immediately very soap opera, yes. like Vaseline on the camera yeah. lens kind of uh, thing. And she looks fucking horny while she's telling while he's telling her this story. Right, like she's like wow. falling in love as he's talking about uh-huh. they fucking put honey on him and they stung him to death and blah blah blah. Like she is the white person that's falling in love with the story of the 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 history of of blacks in America. Yeah. And not treating it like this shit really happened, because it did. It's easy to forget, you know? Okay, all right. So, one of the major critiques about this movie is that if, you know, all that happened to Candyman, why is he uh, torturing these people in Cabrini Green and not white people? Yeah, exactly. And I think my explanation for that uh, plays into what you're saying right now, and it is that to... The people of Cabrini Green, Candyman is a cautionary tale. Don't don't go around white people. Don't have white people come around because white people will kill you for the smallest thing. Okay. So they they talk about and think about Candyman. He yeah. is a part of their collective unconscious. Yeah. White people lynched him and forgot about him seconds later, probably. Yeah. They don't think about it. So since they don't think about him. He can't haunt them. He can't okay. be in their spaces. This, this is part of my world. Yeah. It didn't happen to me. Yeah. Not important to me. All they okay. do is fetishize it. They see it as something separate, which is interesting playing into my further theory. And I think a lot of people would say this, that Candyman's not in this movie at all. Helen is Candyman and she creates this separate personality uh, from her research Yeah, to play out this what's actually going on i think 
uh, psychotic reaction to realizing that her husband's cheating on her. And that's an interesting way to look at it too, because then you could say that the 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 white people's fetishization of these stories is continuing uh-huh. to harm black people yes. even today. Yep. You know. Yeah, I think like I really do think so that that's, that's a cool way to look at. Yes, it. I think cool that this movie had like it is definitely problematic. And it doesn't quite nail it. It, it doesn't, doesn't quite, at all. No, but, but you know, it's like that's why and we'll talk about the sequel more later. But it's like that's why I hope with these rumored uh, Jordan Peele mm-hmm. remakes, uh, remake or continuation right. things, I hope that he is thinking the exact same stuff that we're talking about and will deliver that message because yeah, I feel like it was almost there. Well, he he's just producing it, but they have a director oh, attached. Really? Okay. Um, I thought he was directing it. Shit. No, but he's involved. But yeah, I mean, he's involved with it completely. Okay, yeah, I'm yeah, sure. Yeah. Um, okay, so I think last week we mentioned Lakeith Stanfield has been rumored as being cast in it. Further, like news about that was that he's not cast as Candyman. He's cast as Anthony, who is the baby. In this movie. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. So, so this is a continuation. It's a continuation. Yeah. I'm interested to see. And it's also set in Cabrini Green, which is now gentrified. Yeah. Oh, really? Oh, so, yeah. Sick. Yeah. So that sounds cool. It's going to be interesting. Again, keeping the story in the modern times. Exactly. Yeah. I'm very. I think it'll be that. cool. That could be really good. Yeah. But you know, even the way that, that Helen, Helen is very emotionless through a lot of this, a lot of this movie. And the way that whenever yeah. she goes to, I think that whenever she goes to Cabrini Green and she's in the hood and stuff, yeah, and she's just so completely unfazed and unaffected by everything that's around her, it's like she almost doesn't even think it's real, yeah, or act like these are humans. Like, there's this single mom that she meets, yeah, you know, that and is she's living just in this shithole, ready to take advantage of her. Yeah, exa- yeah, exactly. All she wants out of her is her fucking story. Yep, she doesn't give a fuck. Yep. Like she lives in this super posh high tower place that was yep. modeled after the project. Yeah, all this stuff. By the way, yeah, exactly. That that is a that is exactly a commentary that they live in buildings modeled the exact same way. But once they but figured because, out they could sell them to white people. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. If you could sell them to white people, it's nice. Yeah. If you can't, nobody gives a shit. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. There's a lot of commentary, I think, in this movie about the world as a white person and the world as a white per- uh, as a black person. Yeah. Even living in the same city together and dealing with that uh-huh. kind of stuff. I mean, the again, there's so many things in this that are that are good. I think. Yeah. Uh, if you look at them the right way, which I think some people might not, but okay, like for example, two of these black ladies get killed. Yeah, nothing fucking happens. Meanwhile, Helen, white lady, goes to the hood, gets punched in the face. Yeah, not that that's no big deal, but she goes there. She doesn't even get killed. She just gets hit, and suddenly the cops are there. They're doing a full sweep of the they entire take, thing. They're they round take dudes down in. a gang leader that they've known they could take down for a long time, but they couldn't find anyone to confess or to like. Uh, uh, what do they call it? Uh, uh, testify. Against testify him. against him. Yeah. 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 Um, so yeah. Well, probably because like, white people don't go there. Yeah. So yeah. The, it, well, that's here's the interesting. Okay. So we have to deal with this. Yeah. Is Candyman in this movie? Okay. The Candyman that we meet is the drug dealer who did, he did kill the woman. Yeah. The, which is by the way, based on a true story about uh, another Chicago housing project where a woman was killed by two men who 
Apparently in this housing cabinet. project, yeah, you could go yeah. through the cabinet from a different, uh, from it's like crazy, a crazy man. Yeah, so adjacent apartment, you could sneak in, like yeah. yeah. So um, we have those that murder, and then the kid who got castrated and I guess bled out in the the bathroom. Those were both committed by the drug dealer. Yeah, he confesses to them. They say or whatever. Right. Um, it's not until after that. That she sees Candyman. I thought about that. And she said Candyman in the mirror five times. Nothing happened. Which, according to all the stories we told up to that point, he shows up. But nothing happened. Yeah, that's something that I thought about, too. And and obviously, the look of Tony Todd's Candyman is very much like a hyper-exaggerated version of the drug dealer posing to be Candyman. Exactly. So she's seen him. Yeah. And he's like a normal-sized guy. Uh Uh-huh. He doesn't look near as imposing as stuff. He's no. holding a hook. He doesn't have a hook for a hand. No, he hits her with the hook, but... Yeah. But yeah. then when Tony Todd shows up, he's like a monstrous fantasy version... Yes. ...of that guy. But also an alluring romantic version. And here's why I think he shows up. I think it is a combo of she's recognizing that her husband is cheating on her... Okay. ...and she's just gone through the trauma... Of being hit by a drug dealer. She's dealing with some PTSD. Well, let's also just say being assaulted by a black man. Sure, yeah. You that's know? true. Yeah, I mean, that that that's going to set off racial yeah, uh, I think that's fears more acute in to, people yeah, who have been fears, separated yeah. from uh, any sort of black communities their entire life, which I assume she probably has. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so she... It, she invents this person that that stems from her her work, stems from the things that are happening in her life. This person who sca- simultaneously scares her and allures her. Yeah, and which again could be the perception of blacks to white people. Exactly. Yeah, yeah that's what we're talking about. A- she fetishizes white him. people. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, he says some stuff though in that first meeting. Some that- of the line- are really cryptic they really are I was trying to make heads or tails of some of that stuff um he says to her i'm the writing on the wall the whispers in the classrooms without these things i am nothing now i was thinking what okay what does he mean writing on the wall what about whispers in classrooms the writing on the wall we've seen so far is stuff we you know the, the graffiti but okay. like not a, not or it could be the writing on the chalkboard in the classroom. Exactly. It could yeah. be that. And then also uh, whispers in the classrooms. We haven't really heard any whispers in the classrooms. But what we have seen is when she saw her husband talking to Stacy. chick, yeah. Uh-huh. That he was very much flirting with her. And she it was, was like, very clear. And she was like, you got to be careful about that one or something like that. Yes. Yeah. yeah. That's the writing on the wall. Okay. Those are the whispers in the classrooms. It's, okay. It's the anxiety in her head that she thinks, and it rightfully so, that her husband is cheating on her with Stacy. Yeah. Who, you know, if you were going to make fun of her, you could call her Replacey. Huh? Am I right? <laughs> um, it sounds like what you're saying is this movie could be at its core about basic bitch existential crises of being scared yes. of scary black people and younger, blonder white chicks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. In a lot of ways, that's what happens. And as a 
as a uh, uh, straight white male. That's the most uninformed thing I can possibly say. <laughs> Just going to backtrack. Say that right now. Thank you. Thank you so much. Rate and V on iTunes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but like, what I would say is that there is every indication. Well, I mean, we see uh, video evidence that Candyman wasn't in the room when we... When she's in the psych ward, yeah. she's freaking out. There's every indication that we're being shown her perspective that he's really there that he's really stuff, there yeah and within the movie there's almost every indication that he's not actually there well, that she's nobody doing else all really this. interacts with nobody with candy man yeah like people talk about him like he's a legend and stuff but it's like nobody else really right sees or interacts other than you know the the, the white couple at the very first but that's just rumor yeah that's a yeah it's a story and the little kid thinks he sees him yeah. twice the first time he thinks he sees him he sees the hook the, in yeah. helen's hand and he thinks it's Candyman. oh and right. then when the fire is burning he thinks he sees Candyman burning in the fire well you know but you again know. he's a little kid and he's very much afraid of Candyman. Yeah. so that could be that's unreliable again skewed perspective yeah. um there's one thing that calls into question all of this, though. My yes. entire theory can be destroyed with one thing. Because I was thinking of the same fucking thing. Yeah. I was thinking the whole time. I was like, man, this movie is kind of doing uh-huh. a more committed version of what Child's Play was kind of trying for. Yes. With Child's Play, it was like, maybe the kid's killing people. And then like five yeah. minutes later, he's like, no, it's a doll. No, it's, it's definitely, definitely the, the doll. doll. Yeah. This movie kind of stuck to its guns a little bit more. And it was like, uh-huh. maybe it is. Her. Maybe it is her. Except. Except. She kidnapped a baby, then she was strapped to a bed for a month. A month. And that baby didn't die. That baby So survived. somebody was taking care of it. Steve. Now, I have a theory about it. Okay. I want to hear it. I want to hear, hear it. Okay. Here's my theory. And this about is, that baby. I, I, this is fun. I think. Let's have a good time. The candy... I'm going to call it uh, Candyman Room. The Candyman Room that she goes into where she walks through, through the, the mouth, the, the whole wall. Okay. That room does not exist within our time and space. Here, here are my evidences of that. Okay. No one else goes into that room except her. I guess not. Yeah, because her friend hangs back. Yeah. She runs out of film before she walks into that room. So she, she doesn't, doesn't take, take any pictures, pictures of, it? of it. Okay. But she does later see slides of it, despite the fact that she didn't take pictures of it. Yeah, she's walking and looking at the slides. Yeah, right. Yeah. What the okay. hell? There's no door to the room, but it's supposed to be an adjacent apartment. Well, because it's in an apartment building. They right. They just build but secret rooms. It seems the only way to get there is through two holes in the wall. That's kind of fucked up. Mm-hmm. You're sure? There's no There's no. There's door. no door. There's no door. We never see a door, and she never... When she comes back to it, she goes through... Wait, is this room in the center of the Overlook Hotel, even though there's it a might window? Be, well, here's the thing. There is a window. <laughs> there's a window. When they show the baby at one point, it's before... It's under a window. Yeah, yeah it's yeah, before yeah. Uh, Candyman puts his finger in his mouth, uh, uh, which is weird. Uh. There's a window that like shows to the outside, but there's no door nearby. What the so hell? we're getting sunlight from outside, but like it seems to be in the middle of the entire building where there's no sun could get to it. Um, so when I she think, walks into the Candyman room, is she just like being entranced by the fucking well, folklore? That's, and that's what I thought until I was like, well, then how did the baby survive for a month? But yeah. the baby was in that room. Yeah. So if it exists outside of time and space, then that can work. 
it can it can work because the baby may have been in there for the baby a day yeah right right right. but it was a month i mean this is like i'm really trying to force this to work because otherwise it makes no sense otherwise it it makes zero sense yeah, yeah otherwise like Candyman is absolutely real well i guess it does make some sense he's just supernatural and he can remove himself i guess from the the like appearing on the video camera or whatever. Uh, that's the thing is like, it gets really fuzzy. Yeah. It gets really, really fuzzy because I mean, cause Freddie does that. I, I guess like when we see like, say when Rod gets killed or let's say whenever the like, uh, dude's getting strangled by the bed sheets yeah, and yeah. stuff, we just see the bed sheets moving. We don't see yeah. Freddie himself. So yeah, I mean, you can, you can explain it away by being like, yeah, he's, he's kind of like a ghost. He's invisible. He, appears to whoever can see him but not to who can't see him right and so on you can you can explain the shit out of a lot of that stuff because that, sure. that was a question that i but had then how did like, he take care of the baby <laughs> yeah okay now see that's that's the thing that i want to what was see. he doing throughout the day just like oh somebody made a dirty diaper dude there is an entire <laughs> other movie that I want to see. Where it's like, he's got him in a baby Bjorn. Dude, and, and like, he doesn't know what to do with this baby. Oh, no. Dude, he's trying to change a diaper with a, a hook he's, hand. He's got a phone. He's like talking on the phone, holding the baby. He's got like shit boiling and whatnot. Like a traditional exactly. dad not knowing how to take care of a baby. It throws up on his shoulder unexpectedly. He's right. like, I just got this coat dry cleaned. Oh. He's like, God, you know, he, he's he's using the bottle and the hook pierces the bottle and it's oh, just a no. mess everywhere. <laughs> There's a whole movie out there of just what the fuck Candyman People was doing with this baby. tell you about my best friend. That's what's playing in the yeah, background. <laughs> exactly, man. And they're like getting closer and by the end he's like, oh, he puts his finger in his I mouth. I think Tom Selleck shows up somewhere in there oh, yeah. too. Tom Selleck is definitely Candyman and a little baby. Exactly, right. Mm-hmm. That's what I want to see. Trademark dead and lovely. <laughs> Boom. We got this. This episode is full of fucking great ideas. But you know, it's like a month yeah. Candyman was a baby for a month. That's a lot of fucking work, dude. He got to be feeding that thing. He got to be mm-hmm. changing that thing. Exactly. Bur- burping it and getting his yeah. vaccinations and such done. Or it exists outside of time and space, which is not uh, in unlike other Clive Barker stuff. We've World, Great and Secret Show deal with some of that stuff. Uh, I would say even in Hellraiser, like the, the world that they inhabit seems to have a different time. And definitely yeah. has a different relationship with geometry and space because mm-hmm. it's very strange. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, that's a normal sort of Clive Barker thing. I think he takes, you know, some from Lovecraft with that. Well, here's the thing, though, dude, is like also while we're on the subject of that baby, mm-hmm. that baby really just fucking makes this movie fall apart. It does. What it the makes fuck it was the baby for? What, what was he mean? doing with the baby? Was it, oh, was it okay, like fucking so, Vigo where it was going right. to give him a new form? Yeah, like, I, what have the fuck? A, I have a theory about this too that's real interesting to me. And it start, started with the line where they're walking past that big pile of trash. Yeah. And she says, are you guys going to have a bonfire? And he says, uh, it's for the party. It's for the party. It's for the party. What party? Well, they all seem to come trash out. Trash party. Yeah. They all seem to come out once it gets lit. Candyman has put the baby in the middle of it. Yeah. Is is the party uh Candyman like related sort of uh you know Is Candyman the Wicker Man? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's like a <laughs> it's like the Wicker Man. It really is. It's like she has been drawn into this weird conspiracy 
that uh, all ends up oh, in this, this huge funeral Fuck. pyre. Do you know what would have been a way sicker movie? What's that? If like this whole time, this entire black community was just doing their annual thing, which is yeah. luring a white woman in. A white woman in. Sacrificing her. And fucking sacrificing her. That would have been so much sicker. Yeah. Like none of that shit was ever real. That would have been real cool. Like honestly. Like, revenge. I mean, honestly, fuck that would have been. A better. lot of people would say that's very divisive to have this uh, obviously sort of anti-white message. I to would be it. way on deck. I would be. I was gonna say I'd be way on deck for seeing a movie like that, like this sort of reverse yeah. Get Out. Well, at least it's just a damn movie and not real life, right? Like all the heinous shit we did to black people and continue exactly. to do black people. Come exactly. On. I would kind of love to see that. I would be a, way a reverse on board Get with that, Out, dude. Yes, <laughs> where it just turns out they were all in on it. Even the kids uh-huh. and stuff were just like, "Man, fuck yeah. you." I think I think it does then give people negative perceptions with black people, which probably. Is Probably why yeah. it would be a that bad idea. That would have been idea. way too early in the 90s oh, yeah. and stuff. Uh-huh. Way too early. Yeah. But I would be way on board with that too. right now. That'd be <laughs> fucking awesome. But you know, it's like, what? what is that baby doing? What is the point of that thing? Well, he says that it's like, it's part, he keeps talking about like a sacrifice and, and stuff like that and how they're going to be together because they're going to exist in the consciousness of these people. So I'm assuming what it's supposed to be is the death of this baby um, will remind people to always be frightened of her as well as him so that they can live within their collective unconscious. Oh, okay. That, I think oh, he's suppo- okay. it's supposed to be specifically so that. So you're saying that, he's trying to deal a blow to the community yes. to remind them don't trust white. Yes. And, yeah. yeah, to remind them to not trust her so that she is then... I mean, you know, because at the end... Uh, her husband says Helen five times in the mirror and she appears. Like, he doesn't say Candyman. Right. He says her name and yeah, she yeah. appears with the hook. Like, um, if he, if she hadn't allowed Candyman to, like, die in the funeral pyre, he would have been there with her, perhaps. Yeah, I suppose so. And I think that there's also something in there about him trying to reunite the family that he lost with yes. this, this white woman that looked like Helen. And yeah. then also, you know, oh, they, they, yeah. they had guess, a baby, you know? Oh yeah. I guess the baby would have been part of the collective unconscious too. So they probably would have been able to live as a family. Yeah. As these uh, monsters, basically. Now who that baby is, I really wish that that would have also been explored a bit more. I mean, in the it's movie just Anne-Marie's well. baby. Yeah. But whatever fucking happened and what happened to Anne-Marie? Well, she's there at the end. Not Anne-Marie. I'm sorry. The 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 girl that Candyman fell in love with back in 1890. Oh, right. Like, there's no well, mention they, of, of what happened to her there's or There's a painting the baby. of her in the Candyman room. It's kind of Bram Stoker's yeah. S. And yes, it does. It remi- again, exactly what I was yeah. saying. It's a combo of Dracula in some ways, and it really does play on that uh, idea of this love through time. Yeah. Idea. Which like I, do, is, I do like. I mean, too. You know, again, kind of, kind of going back to some of the stuff we talked about the the Shining episode and stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, I like the idea of like the Shining and Bram Stokers, these people trapped in this reincarnation cycle yeah. where they keep doing the same things over and over. Like, I think that's pretty, it pretty is cool. fucking metal. Yeah, I like it. Yeah, I just don't know about the ending of this movie, dude. I don't understand exactly what they were going for. And again, yeah. this this is where like the whole. I think racial narrative really kind of falls apart it too. Does. Yeah. That I just I just don't get. Like, why does she come back 
is she the new Candyman? Has she always been yeah. Candyman? Well, yeah. Has she always, like, did Candyman actually exist before her? I just don't get it. Like, the whole thing of she comes back, and is she ever mentioned in the sequels or anything? Well, see, that's the thing, is the fact that the sequels then didn't have her. They had Candyman. doesn't make any sense if, like, at the end, she kills Candyman and becomes a new sort of Candyman. Why is Tony Todd showing up in the sequels? Let's, um, let's also talk about fucking killing Candyman. Yeah. <laughs> because here's the thing. is like it, it Just a fire killed a him? A fire, I guess. <laughs> it's like a supernatural entity, right? Yeah, because that's the thing. is like It appears that Candyman has the ability to disappear and reappear, reappear at will. Yeah. He can suddenly just like fly out of a room and shatter through yeah. a window. Yeah. Like a bat or something. I think what happens there is it's symbolic that um that by you know having committed these atrocious murders but then also saving the baby from a funeral pyre she has replaced Candyman and their collective unconscious as like like the new focal point of what this boogeyman is so he dies by losing being their, replaced by yeah, another legend losing his he calls them his congregation mm-hmm. by losing his congregation he ceases to have people believing in him therefore he ceases to exist mm. but again it's very symbolic and not very clear yeah 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 the ending's got some issues but it, i don't know i just i really like this movie a whole lot well you know going back to let, let's talk about the whole the whole victims thing a little uh-huh. bit more here too because like you said Be it's my like victim. Be my victim, which is That's pretty cool fucking cool. <laughs> yeah. Uh, as we said before, he he pretty much just kills black people this whole movie. Mm-hmm. Which, well, I do find he kind of problematic. Kill any black people. Okay, the well, two black people maybe, that get killed not. were killed yeah. by the the drug dealer. Then, well, if he does the killing after that point, he does kill her research partner, who is a black woman. Yeah, but he also kills a Rottweiler. A Rottweiler, for some reason, takes a black baby. Okay, there's still some problems there. There's yeah. some problems. Yeah, no, no, he does only... as well kill some white folk. But, yeah, okay, but that's just legend. It's like, that's just kind of portrayed... You're talking about the couple at the first movie. No, no, I'm talking about the uh, the psychiatrist. Oh! And... Um, okay, yeah, psychiatrist. Well, I guess he's the only one. Yeah. And then, at the end, Helen kills the husband, so yeah. Yeah. There's only one white person killed by Candyman. Yeah. And yeah, and, and okay. to me, like, what I think would have been a a cool way to to frame this again as a, uh, a white person observing black suffering and stuff yeah. in America. I think that a cool way to frame this would have been actually more like the way that the white people at the very first of the movie get killed is because they are treating this thing that actually happened that was, again, just a straight-out hate crime Yeah, as just like, oh, it's fun. Say Candyman five right. times in a mirror. Okay, so, like, yeah, the a more, a more clear moral to the story. Yeah, where it's yeah. like, if you don't take this shit seriously, I will come back and fucking kill you. Yeah. Or if it's like, if you come to Cabrini Green just to look at black people and study them yeah. and stuff like this for, for your white people nonsense or whatever, uh-huh. then 
you're getting fucking killed. I if, think if you treat this stuff as folklore, you're gonna die. I think you're really gonna happen. like some of the stuff you're gonna see in the movie we do next week, Tales from the Hood. Okay, tight. I think you because it deals, I think, a good bit more and more because again, this is made by a white man. Uh, but Tales from the Hood is made by Billy Cundiff, who is a black man who wrote each of the segments of the anthology, directed them. It deals more directly with the stuff the way you're talking about. Yeah. And yeah, this does. I, I, it may be, you know, maybe it's a smart choice by Bernard Rose to be like, you know what? I can't possibly provide that type of narrative from my point of view. Yeah. So I can't do that story. I can't do the story where that happens. Right. Yeah. 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 But I can do this story that sort of shows how fetishizing and, uh, you know, yeah, glamorizing, glamorizing poverty in you know the the projects, and looking at it through this you know lens of research rather than looking at other human yeah, beings. human suffering. Those are all negative things, and that that is something that a white director can say about race. Yeah, that can't be then seen as still racist. Itself. Right. Yeah. yeah, it's a very fine fine line to tread, especially yeah. in the when was this made? Nineteen ninety ninety two. Yeah. I mean, it's it's pretty early for a white it director is. to be looking at stuff like this, which yeah. sucks. Yeah, it sucks that yeah. even in the fucking nineties, this is still early to be yeah. looking at things like it this. It does suck that that yeah, the conversation has been such that that white people just haven't even been capable of entering the conversation because they don't know where to start. Yeah, which is insane. It seems like well, talk to people, like yeah. talk to people who actually have to deal with the issue, right? If you really want to get that perspective, it seems like this movie is in a very subtle way, which it could have been more overt about, honestly. But but just trying to say, hey, white people, just take a take a second here and look at the way that you look at yeah. Black history and Black suffering in America. It's just a- look at it. You look like it. You look at it like it's fucking folklore. Right. Like it's an urban legend. So you so you wide it up with Philip Glass and you make it... Exactly right. Yeah, yeah, Okay, uh, yeah. So this is a way of like Trojan horsing in a message. Maybe. A, a good message about racism. Yeah. About like really confronting the issue. But I will say, you know, in addition to the usual just kind of research and stuff like this I did for the movie... Uh-huh. Uh, seeking a, a perspective of somebody a lot closer to the material being portrayed and stuff like yes. that. And again, this is such a dumb white person thing to say. <laughs> In my research, I listened to some podcasts by black people. Oh, no. I know. That's just the worst fucking thing to say. How dare you? I know. But honestly, I was just... <laughs> How dare you try, I you know. son of a bitch? I know. But it's like by the lamest way. Yeah, whatever. Listening to podcasts. Steps. I mean, it's just me trying. Yeah. You know, it's like, that's, no, that is not really actual genuine effort. Yeah, but it's it's an attempt. Yeah, it, exactly. So, you know, sorry, it's not the best Sorry, possible. I'm not calling myself a hero. No, but precisely. I tried. Exactly. <laughs> but I listened to a couple of podcasts, and I'm going to give this some shout outs here because I found a couple of shows that I've just gotten recently super, super, super hooked on. Okay. Uh, there's one that I listen to that is a movie review podcast called Black Men Can't Jump in Hollywood. Black Men Can't Jump in Hollywood. Okay. And Shout out to them. Yeah. It's a fucking great show where it's a movie review podcast 
And it's a bunch of black dudes that get together and talk about movies entirely from the perspective of does it better the cause oh, wow. of representing black people in, in Hollywood. Oh, that's and cool. And stuff. I like that. And it's great. They're very insightful. Uh, they gave me a lot of cool ways to look at this movie uh-huh. you know, from that perspective as far as like... Candyman's not really helping. Ooh, I wonder if they have a Tales from... I can't listen to it. I was going to say, if they yeah. have a Tales from the episode, I'll <laughs> listen to it. But I'll listen to it afterwards. If I listen to it beforehand, I'll just repeat everything they yeah. said. I'll be like, and then they said this, and then they said that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, you know, they didn't have a lot of great things to say about this movie, because ultimately... Yeah. No, it doesn't really do a lot of good... No, of, it doesn't. Uh, ...of upping the role of blacks in no. Hollywood and in American society and stuff like that. Um, you know, again, from my perspective, it might show me how shitty it is how we look at black right. history, but that's my fucking perspective. Right. You know, and I'm hell You have in to this dig case. for that. You have to think about yeah. it. And Whereas then, a lot of people are not thinking about this movie. Yeah. They're just going to watch it and be like, oh, where's the blood? Yeah, exactly. I hope there are boobs. Yeah. Well, and, and there then, are. Yeah. and then i listened to this other show that i i have gotten just super fucking hooked on i've been blown through all their shit okay what is it it's called medium popcorn medium popcorn all right their show is fucking awesome i strongly recommend you guys listen to their Candyman episode their hereditary episode is hilarious their episode on um oh shit what's the movie i watched last week about the call center Am, am I bothering you? Is that what it's called? Oh, right, right. Um, sorry to bother you. Sorry to bother you. Thank you. Their review on that is fucking hysterical. Awesome. It is a great show. Be sure to listen okay. to their stuff. To Rate and review out. them on iTunes. Hysterical. But, you know, a lot of those guys had this perspective where, you know, again, this is stuff I hadn't really thought about. What do you think about scary white people monsters in movies? Yeah. You got Freddy Krueger. This guy's sure. got a claw hand. He's burnt all over. Uh-huh. He's fucking scary and gross looking. You've got Jason. He's got a machete or uh-huh. an axe or whatever. He's got this hockey mask. And he's like this zombie Covering man. up his weird facial deformity yeah, or whatever. Exactly. Yeah. And then in order to scare the white people a lot, you've got a black man walking around in a nice coat Okay. Yeah, no, that's a good point. And that's that's enough. Yeah. And he's not even like like he he seems to just talk to one person in particular, like Yeah. And and, and get dig, yeah. th- dig this dude. What's scarier for uh-huh. the white folk in the movie? The black gang members, which Helen just completely ignores and acts like they aren't even there. Right. Or the affluent, well dressed, well spoken black man. Uh-huh. That's the monster. That's the monster. The monster is the victim of a hate crime. Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. And he's just as intelligent and well-spoken and stuff as they are. Yeah. And that's the fucking scary part. Which I think, again... I hadn't thought about that shit until listening to these shows, man. I think, again, uh, give some credence to my theory that this is all from Helen's perspective. And from Helen, that that is showing us Helen's perspective on reality is that she's more afraid of a well-spoken articulate black man than yeah. she is of anything else like she yeah. she doesn't she just doesn't seem afraid of anything throughout except that yeah wow so from the again from the couple of shows and stuff that I listen to and a bunch of reviews and stuff I read it seems like a lot of the black community doesn't really dig this movie yeah. it seems yeah, like they, they they make that pretty clear in that horror noir uh, documentary okay. as well yeah yeah which you know again it's like I I cannot speak for for their perspective no I cannot I absolutely cannot you know 
Yeah. But I can I can completely understand. Yeah, the representation well, not completely I aspect kind of is understand. still there. That's still cool, but yeah. like it's not it's not enough to make up for the other glaring issues. Yeah, yeah. Uh, unless you are are again a white person who can watch this and be like, okay, this is why I need to take Black History seriously. Yeah, you know, which is maybe not made overt enough. No, I don't think en- I don't think much is made very overt in no. this movie. Honestly, no. like everything we're saying, we've had to drag out of it. Exactly yeah. right. Exactly right, man. But again, 1992. Not I, that it's right. But I think 1992 was definitely not ready for that kind of message. I, yeah, I think it's a, a a good movie for that time to at least try. Yeah, to, but to again, impart these like, ideas and. Because we have other, we have movies that come out in the '90s that are made by black directors, yeah. like *Demon Knight* and *Tales from the Hood*. It's like, you know, what? go to them for your perspective. Like yeah. this movie, you're going to because you, you know, you want to see a Clive Barker-based, like sort of really weird, demented horror movie. Yeah, it's not, it's not uh, the ultimate, or not even a good representation of you know black progress in america yeah right right yeah yeah yeah. definitely so man now you said that you watched farewell to the flesh i did second one i have not seen it now does this improve or not improve on some of the things that we've talked about is terrible all i know is that it takes place in like new orleans right yeah yeah it gets a lot more like it gets a lot more fetishistic i think but okay it does he does do a good job of like they show him being lynched and it does do a good job of portraying that in uh, a way that makes him obviously the victim and not the monster Mm -hmm. but then he's just the monster the rest of the movie and it's like just so disconnected Mm. also the movie it's like it's offbeat and I don't mean offbeat in like the wacky sense I mean offbeat in the music sense where like it relies a good bit on jump scares but each jump scare misses the beat by like just a little bit oh yeah just each a little too time early, it's too just late. no it's always a little too late it's no. always like oh I'm expecting it here oh it's not oh there oh, it now. is oh now but it didn't surprise me because I like I was Already expecting it, it just a beat before that and yeah. now it's there like that it, and you know what just real quick on the subject of jump scares like the front half of this movie is does a have real, a couple yeah that are just scare. like come on yeah like cat scares only yeah, when, dog yeah, when scares in this movie she's asleep and the husband jumps in the bed oh, come on come dude. on yeah that was lame that's just weak yeah but yeah like uh, farewell of flesh like it really it squanders any of what we've been talking about like mm. if if that were the message of the first one the second one really just says yeah fuck all that we'll just flush that down the toilet and um he's a scary monster man and now he kills more people yeah and that's all that there is to <laughs> and it that's all there is to it that's kind of weak it's really I, yeah i couldn't even watch the third one because i was like you know what there's there's there, there's no way it improves yeah yeah i've heard the third one is just even worse yeah I've heard it's just it, it looks terrible. like it has a good bit of CGI in it too. It was like it came out in ninety nine, so Ooh, so it's like the worst uh-huh. CGI. <laughs> Damn, that yeah. sucks, man. But yeah, that, yeah, the sequel's not worth it for me, at least. Let me just ask you an intrinsic, deep down question about all this stuff. That's so easy to ignore. Okay, why is it called Candyman? 
And, yeah. and, and what's with the razor blade laden candy in the okay. candy room? Come well, on. Well, see that that was one of the things I would say is pretty much is pretty much evidence that 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 um, that room room and all that is part of her demented like creation of this creature because it's a that's a an urban legend mm-hmm. about the candy with a razor blade yeah it. it never happened but like there's no connection no it's just he's named candy man and she's connecting candy with him like uh that would that would seem to be it but because that you know we can't say for sure that's it it seems very much like a non sequitur, just like something that's like, okay, I don't see what that has to do with anything. That seems like some scene that somebody that was funding the movie was like, oh, this I've will got be a this good idea. idea. Yeah, because he's called, called Candyman. Candy Man. Yeah. You got to have a thing with the candy with the razors in it, and he's giving it yeah. to kids, right? You know, like Halloween too. Yeah. Everyone's favorite movie. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, it shows it for maybe five seconds, and then the movie moves on, and there is nothing more yeah. about it it's, the rest of the time. Like, yeah. And the fact that they call him Candyman because they covered him in Hundy. Hundy? Hundy. They covered him in Honey. <laughs> but, dude, it's like, why didn't they just fucking call him Honey Man? Yeah, or B-Boy. Or, <laughs> like, what? like, I don't get it. That, no. Yeah, like, Candyman's a strange Zero choice. sense. Like, if he was a, a chocolatier instead of an artist, then this yeah. would have made sense. Oh, yeah, I was going to say, like, if they had taken, like, molten taffy and poured it all <laughs> over him and then called him Candyman, it would be like, yeah, that makes, yes. Yeah. And then he gets eaten by ants or something. Maybe, maybe. he was Candyman because he was so chocolatey and smooth. <laughs> that makes sense. His voice does remind me of a chocolate ad. Yeah, like it's like like a Dove chocolate ad yeah, voice you know by Tony Todd. Or you know, like when they show like lint truffles and they're like yeah. showing them stirring the ganache. Oh yeah, that's his voice. Just that like <laughs> smooth, silky texture Dude. to it. Yes, God, I love Tony Todd. I I I hope they do bring him back in some way in the movie. God, I know the new one. Me too. Even if it's just ADR voiceover yeah. or something like that. I mean, because like he's been he's been in the Final Destination movies where he's great, but yeah, I don't like awesome. those movies. And not then, really. again, the Hatchet movies were, again, he's great, but I'm not a huge fan of yeah, those movies. Yeah. Though I think Hatchet movies are, like, way better than Final Destination, mm. which is, I don't know how many people would agree with that. Most yeah. people love those movies, the Final Destination movies. Right. I just can't, like, Hatchet seems better to me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> At least heads explode and shit instead go. of just idiotic. Like, I don't know. I'm excited. Let's not talk final distance. Yeah. <laughs> I'm excited to see what we get out of this new iteration of it. I hope that it yeah. deals more and more with, again, the, the racial themes. Well, yeah. I mean, we got Jordan we Peele as the executive producer, and I think I think the director they chose is a black director. Yeah. And well, yeah. I, I want this I want this story from the perspective of a, of a black director. Yeah. I, want I can't imagine Jordan Peele choosing a non-black director to deal with this. Right. Like, definitely, it, it would be better in the hands of a black director. Yeah. That And that's kind of one of my final thoughts about the flick is that Mm -hmm. I don't know that the director as a a white dude in the early 90s was really informed enough to write this story. I think that it's if his intentions are what we think that they were, I think it's uh, admirable and very ambitious. Yeah, but we're not giving out cookies. Yeah, Yeah. exactly right. Right. (laughs) Like, Yeah, it's nice that you tried, but also like 
maybe just let somebody who knows what they're talking about maybe try that yeah, yeah exactly yeah. right exactly like you know what now that you've got this clout for making this movie produce a movie yeah where a black director and a black writer get to make this yeah yeah so i think that those those elements in that that form of input definitely yeah. would have made this a more informed yes story you know mm-hmm. but i still think it's okay yeah you know? I still enjoy it as a movie. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, yeah I again, because like Tony Todd is just so good in it. Yeah. Like he plays the role so well. Virginia Madsen's Memorable great. visuals. Great visuals. Really like disturbing stuff in that Philip Glass soundtrack. Like great. Yeah. And there's there's just. Set design's also really nice. Oh yeah. I meant yeah. to mention that too. All the graffiti and stuff yeah. is really cool. And there's a lot of like rewatch possibilities i think here because oh yeah because there's there there's questions as to what's going on how about this one here how about whenever they're in the middle of the trash bonfire uh-huh and Candyman says we're both already dead yes what the fuck does that mean that's interesting are yeah. they right so, i mean because she crawls out and people see her and then show up at her funeral yeah so yeah. Why does he say they're both Why already dead? Why does he dead? say we're both already dead? That to me was really like, wait, what? Yeah. I'm, I was very confused by that. There's something to unpack there. Yeah. So what are your overall... I wrote here, I wrote that line down and wrote, how you mean, Candyman? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> how you mean? Do you have some overall thoughts and, and final yeah. uh, final score on this flick Yes, here? I do. Um, overall, I think that um, if you watch this movie as a straight up slasher without uh, expecting it to have some profound effect on uh, conversations about race. Yeah. It's a good slasher. Okay. And yeah. I love a slasher. Me too. Um, But it does try to enter into a conversation about race, obviously. Sure. It's attempting yeah. to. And maybe, maybe, maybe you shouldn't. Yeah. Like, you just maybe if you... If you're going to, you really need to talk to the people who are going to be portraying these characters. Like, sit down with Vanessa Williams, sit down with Tony Todd. Yeah. And have them, like, work on the dialogue with you, work on the story, see if there's some tweaks you can make. I mean, obviously, you're coming in, you're going to produce a movie, you're going to make it, like, at that point, you've got everything sort of figured out. You can't make huge changes. So that's already a problem. Like, ahead of time, you already need to get, like, a black writer to come in maybe help rewrite the script some um but again if it's just you're just looking at it as a slasher this is a good slasher um i i really love this movie i'm glad that we get the black freddy krueger mm-hmm. i wish it had like I wish they had really, like, with the sequels, I wish they had been able to do something. This might be some of the most lost potential yeah. of any horror franchise. Yeah. I mean, we, we talked about how the Halloween sequels really right. shit the bed super hard. The Hellraiser sequels yeah. shit well, this, the bed see, really this, hard. This came out in a time where the sequels that it had to sort of emulate were the late Friday the 13th and how Nightmare they on Elm Street. They were already getting uncool. They were already yeah. like, yeah. yeah. So emulating those was a bad call. Already kind of hopeless. Yeah. Right, right, right. Yeah, but for me, um, I think still, this is a great movie and I love to watch it. So I say this is a seven. Yeah. Seven. I can understand that. You know, again, it's it's problematic 
yeah. you know it, it is a a flawed story not not only in terms of just some of the loose ends that are never answered how the fuck did that baby get taken care of what the fuck was the baby for yeah why did a retarded boy have to get his dick cut off yeah like a lot of that stuff is that was a real brutal scene but why but why why yeah yeah you know i mean whether it was Candyman that did it or the drug dealer guy that did it yeah. like the fuck why is that just there just to be fucked up and scary, i guess uh, I yeah guess? i think it's supposed to make the drug dealer seem specifically very fucked up but then they're there and gone in literally one scene yeah so it we only even see well we see him in the scene where he hits her and he barely says anything then we yeah. see him get identified in the lineup yeah and then and then that's the end of that story, yeah you know so there's there's a handful of loose ends and stuff in this movie that don't really make sense yeah uh, you know, again, the, the scope of his powers, the ending, which to me just seems very much like a damn, you know, like what Bob Shea did at the ending of Elm Street. Where right. It's like, <laughs> where everybody shows up at the funeral to, the wor- I don't know, to worship the new Candyman or whatever. Yeah. What the fuck was all that about? I mean, because they, they throw the hook into the, I, I think that throwing the hook into the, the grave is the representation of like, this is the new Candyman. And then, of course, we see her reappear when her name is said five times in the mirror so yeah i think that's what it's for but it's a weird scene why would the yeah. entirety like i mean uh, this that, white that, woman that came that shows and caused all that trouble i was gonna say this this shows that a white person made this movie the idea that people who uh have to rely on uh assist housing assistance could all get the day off to go to a white woman's funeral right yes like like any black writer or director would be like, well, of course that wouldn't happen. That's impossible. No. Yeah, everybody working. Everybody's got to go to fucking work. Yeah. Like, so yeah, it is. It's very ridiculous, and and also like does play into the fetishization, and and plays into the the obvious problems with race in this, where like the idea is that you'll do something good for black people and they'll worship you as a god exactly right yeah like, revere yeah. you and make you immortal yes exactly like yeah if you're if you're nice enough to a black person first off it'll mean you're totally not racist and basically you're a god well that's like, the thing dude it's like ultimately this white woman showed up uh-huh fucking decapitated a dog she did let's talk about how fucked that's very that fucked up. is decapitated then, a dog a baby went missing then she got over off, a month and then she got off on bail yes went she, home yes that's another that's a thing again that anybody who grew up poor or in a community where people often get arrested yeah. probably for stupid charges yeah yeah and then have a huge sums of bail that they can't reach or it's like you don't get out you just stay in jail until they take Let you, you to trial yeah it might be a couple years yeah but we can't afford bail right but she just out whatever yeah okay she she shows up to the community snoops around everybody thinks she's a cop she, she fucking kills a dog well she busts a drug dealer so that's a good thing right but then shows back up kills a dog kills a, dog, a baby stabs a fucking black woman yeah gets caught up, you know, floating, uh, sorry, uh, kind of hovering above her uh-huh. with the murder weapon. Right. Then gets off on bail. Yep. After she's already attacked her and stabbed her. <laughs> then when they take her in, she kills her psychiatrist. Yeah. But yes, no, she's a hero. But end. she's a hero to the black people. Because she finally brought, fuck? finally brought that baby out that she had hidden for a month. <laughs> like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> that she caused the disappearance of. 
Yeah. Come on, dude. For real. Like that, again, unless that is just some commentary on how fucked up white people's perspective is. Yeah, see that which again. Which I doubt that it is. Yeah, that's, I, we are scraping at that scraping. point. We are scraping real hard yeah. to defend the movie if, if we say that. Yeah. So it, it's, it's problematic in a lot of ways, and I understand a lot of people's problems with the movie. Uh-huh. I think that it has some really great visual aspects in there. There's a lot of shots and scenes that I think are very iconic. I think that Tony Todd as Candyman is unbelievably charismatic and uh, incredible as a villain in this. I I really wish we could have seen a lot more of him being fucking awesome on screen. Um, Again, I haven't seen the sequels, but it seems like everybody understands that they're, they're dog shit. Yeah, they're not good. Yeah. So there's good parts about this. I love the dreamy Clive Barker elements and stuff that we have in here. I love the soundtrack. I think the soundtrack is beautiful and haunting. And I like a lot of the themes about, uh, you know, discrimination and the way that white people get treated by cops versus black people get treated by cops and stuff like that. Yeah, the way that white people's testimony. Yeah. Yeah. It's maybe not overt enough. Right. Maybe that's the time period. Yeah. Again, does it make it right? Uh Uh-huh. But overall, I think that I'm going to sit this thing at about a kind of torn, like five and a half or six. Okay. Something like that. Yeah. Like, I, I do think 5. it's 5.75. 5.75. There we go. That sounds good. I think it's one that fans of horror should watch. Yeah. If you like classic oh, yeah. slashers and stuff, yeah, you should definitely watch Candyman. Yeah. Man. And Come this on. was the direction that slashers should have gone. Yeah. For sure. I mean, we basically lost them for a while and then got screamed. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I really, I really like the way that they took it in a new sort of direction. But yeah. again, yeah, it's it, got major flaws. <laughs> yeah, definitely so. I look forward to hearing what your all's thoughts on this movie were. Be sure to post those in our Facebook yeah. fan group. Yeah, let us know what you think about it. Every time, honestly, like every single time we do an episode, somebody will po- post something that makes me go, "Oh crap! Yeah. I wish we had known about that before." I like, that very yeah. much. You guys can post that stuff there on our Instagram page. Uh huh. At is- Dead Lovely Pod. Or on our new Discord page. Oh, yeah. Uh, the invitation for that is up on Facebook. And um, if you don't have it, you can email us at deadandlovelypod at gmail.com. I'll, I'll send you the invitation. Uh, you know, we're trying to move because Facebook has some new uh, group rules yeah. and uh, gory photos and like gory subject matter can get banned yeah so we're trying to maybe move to discord if possible or maybe somewhere else just trying to find a way to keep up the awesome facebook group that we have yeah um without you know completely having to stop posting pictures and things stuff from, that's relevant from horror to our discussions yeah. and stuff i just joined the group uh the other day it's a fun thing i, like I it. enjoy it it, yeah. it kind of took me a second because whenever yes, i like because it's like what the fuck is this yeah because yeah. like, like initially aim, basically well you know what it is is like whenever i joined it i was kind of looking at it and i was like okay so is it kind of like an uh, like a message board like a forum because mm. like forums are how i fell in love with the internet yes like guitar gear forums and yeah, stuff yeah. Where it was like, okay, choose your forum, then choose your subtopic, then choose your thread. And I was like, where's the threads? And it's like, there's not really threads. Well, there and are And then I was like, kind wait, of, it's more yeah. like a, a really good group group text message. Yes. That is, yeah. Yeah. You know? And you can also do voice chat with it. And yeah. maybe sometime we'll do like a I'd like to do FAQ one. voice chat. Yeah. I would love to That'd for be sure. really cool. But yeah, like... Uh, I enjoy it. It's fun. I, I, I had a good time. I actually, the first day that we started it, because, you know, I... 
first didn't know what it was and uh, I was getting feedback from like uh, uh, Dave, David mm-hmm. Bear, and um, Tibsy. Don't remember his name. Mm-hmm. <laughs> anyway, getting feedback from them, they were helping me out, and then also uh, uh, Mangelina Broly. Yeah, and uh, John Latour yeah. helped me out a good bit, and even John Latour made uh, our two little floating heads, oh, which you did can he make use. Those? Yeah, Sick. you can Thanks, use as John. emoticons in our, our That's Discord. Cool. Yeah. I enjoy it. It just it feels like it's more again like a personal group text with our fans yeah. than like the Facebook group, which is like open mm. and public and subject to rules of what. Oh, and the cool thing Facebook is, deems is when I wake not. up and it's like you have you know sixty four <laughs> Discord things, I can just sort of skim through. It doesn't give me the. Ang- doesn't give me the anxiety of like if I had so I said had sixty four Facebook yeah notifications I'd be like what the fuck happened right yeah yeah so we enjoy it be sure to interact with us on there and let us know what you think about this movie I'd love to read your all thoughts and maybe even uh, you know read some of those off or give our insights on your all thoughts on the next episode of the show or something that'd be a lot of yeah, fun yeah that'd be cool. Uh, what are we doing next, Ben? Next week, we're going to be covering Tales from the Hood. It's so crazy to me that we have done several anthologies. And we're going to do an Tales anthology. from the Hood. And yet, we haven't done Creep Show. We Holy haven't shit. Done, we haven't done Creep Show? We haven't done Creep Show. We haven't done the original Tales from the Crypt. God from damn. the 70s. We, there's so many great anthologies. I think Tales from the Hood, like... I remember enjoying it so much. Cool. And I've never seen it. It's had a resurgence in popularity recently because people have kind of looked back on it and been like, oh, right. This was a movie made in the mid 90s by a black director and writer that is all about black issues. Cool. And it's a horror movie. Like, black horror kind of, you know, got re looked at because of Get Out. And people were like, yeah, Tales from the Hood. Fuck. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, yeah. So hopefully you like it. And hopefully it stands up. It's been you know a while since it came out right on you guys be sure to tune in and check out that episode next week you guys can follow us on the youtube follow that youtube channel all right yeah we don't have we still don't have a a personalized uh url url yeah but we're getting close to a thousand subs so we will get one after that yeah so you guys be sure to uh, subscribe to that youtube channel and rate and review this podcast on itunes or your podcast app of choice really 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 fucking makes a difference i love checking in on that thing and seeing new reviews being posted i check it actually pretty frequently because i love just seeing reviews of the show and stuff and listen i'm glad you do that i never check it's just like um when i was in college and i'd get back a paper and it would have like a page of notes at the end yeah i just look at the grade Right. Never read the notes because yeah. like so much anxiety associated with it. I, I am such a uh, such a sucker for seeking the approval of of my peers, <laughs> and I'm completely open about that. Yeah, that I do it. Oh, there's nothing wrong with that at all. I guess not. I would like seriously. I love to hear that other people with horror podcasts like our horror podcast. Yeah, totally. I mean, I, I feel like a dick because I don't listen to other horror podcasts specifically just because I don't want to steal from them. Yeah. It's not because they're not good. I've, I've certainly listened. I've listened to Say You Love Satan. Uh, I haven't checked out Werewolf Ambulance yet oh, or Neon them. Brainiacs. Oh, I love those guys, too. Uh, I like Good shows. Morning Nancy. Those gals are great. They just did an episode on, to them, on The Witch, and they have Frankenhooker coming out this week. So. What was it? 
Uh, good morning, M O U R N I G. Okay, cool. Uh, Nancy. Nancy. I'll check yeah. them out. I've They're cool. Them. Cool. A lot of good stuff out there. Well, you guys have been just goddamn fantastic. It was so wonderful meeting and greeting so many of you guys at our recent hookup and stuff that we talked about in the first of the show. I hope that we do it again. And I uh, look forward to interacting with you guys on our oh, many online social media forums. I got to fucking throw this in. I keep Dude, forgetting this. There. I get keep forgetting there. this. My my brother-in-law, Nathan Schaefer, he uh, wrote and drew a comic book, Winter Moot, it's called. Oh. It is an augmented reality comic book. You download an augmented reality, uh, what you call it? App. App. A program. And each of the pages um, sometimes will have some little floating bit of augmented reality to them. It's you showed a, this to me. It's fucking it's real insane. cool. I mean, his his art is real cool. The but art then, is sick. Um, but then also like the augmented reality stuff is real interesting. He's been working with it for a while. He's an, an artist. He lives in Alaska. Winter Moot. It's by Shared Universe Comics. Check it out. Winter Moot. M-O-O-T. We'll yeah. put up a picture of this on the Instagriddle, too. We shall. So that you guys can find it and stuff. Be sure to check that out. It is way sick. Hope you guys enjoy it. Well, you guys be sure to tune in next week for another episode of Dirt and Loveler. Dirt and Loveler. Dirt and Loveler. Bye. Bye. Bye.